And welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me, as always, is the incomparable, immeasurable producer and co-host extraordinaire, Zach Goodman. Today's show of or episode of the Bat Around is brought to you by your local Toyota dealers. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. What are you waiting for, Zach? Go buy a Highlander. I'm going to go buy one right after the show. <laughs> How are you, man? Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, How are a, you? I'm, Dude, I'm great. I am great. I can it tell was, you're in a, you came in and you're in a really good mood. I can it, tell. I was I was it was hot as hell yesterday. I know, I know. I took the the pup out at about eight thirty mm-hmm. uh, for a morning poop and pee before he ate breakfast. Okay, and <laughs> I wanted to die. The second yeah. I walked outside, I got hit by a wall of Satan's breath. Wow, that's one and way to put it. It was so damn hot, and Bruce was looking up at me like. Why are we out here? I'm like, go pee. He peed immediately. He's like, can we go back in? I was like, yeah, we can go back in. It was ungodly hot. Today, different story. It is pleasant. There's a nice breeze. It's about 70 degrees. It's going to be a high of 75 today, perfectly sunny. Same thing tomorrow when I take the beautiful wife to the Orioles game. Mm-hmm. Beautiful weather. The Orioles are playing winning baseball. What's not to be happy about? It is hot as balls in this uh in this studio, I, see, I'm cold. I'm cold right now. I, I'm always cold rather than hot. You and get some I, heat on your bones. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's a it's prevalent issue. It's it's hot in here. It is it, it, as Nelly said. It's getting hot. Here, <laughs> so take off all your keep your clothes on. I I'm gonna I'm gonna. You're cold. So I mean, put on you can make your own decisions over there. But you're I'm gonna, cold and you're wearing a North Face uh, shirt. I am, I but that has nothing what, to do with the. I don't the, know what that means. Maybe it's the icy cool blue. Uh, that's of the that's North what it, that's shirt. what it is. That's what it is. What the hell is going on here, guys? Welcome. Welcome. This is the Bat Around. Great show coming up here for you today. The Orioles, an impressive one to nothing victory over the uh, over the Tampa Bay Rays last night. Getting great defense. Dean Kramer looking the best he's ever looked for the Orioles. He goes six innings, five hits, one walk, five Ks, no runs. ERA drops to two thirty five in three starts to de- uh, this season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Guys, I lost my voice on the drive over here for no good reason. I wasn't... Too Zach, much Metallica, Zach apparently. asked me if I was scream singing. No. My voice yeah. was perfectly normal when I left the house. I got here. Maybe it's that fresh Baltimore air. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. <clears throat> but, hey, your, your body was just shocked about the, the temperature change. That's, I, I am... That's what it is. I, I think I may have just finally cleared it, but it still doesn't sound the same. But anyway, Dean Kramer... ERA drops to 235. In three starts, he's got 15 in the third innings pitch, 14 hits, four walks, 10 Ks, four earned runs, and a 1.17 whip. Adley freaking Rutschman. <laughs> the Savior, the King, the Messiah has arrived. Two of the Orioles' five hits last night, including the go-ahead RBI single in the seventh inning. In his last eight games, he has played the last eight days. 10 for 29. Five doubles, a home run, four RBIs. 
even his outs have been loud. He has finally, Zachary, gotten it going for the Orioles. Yeah. With him and Ryan Mountcastle tearing the cover off the ball and the stellar performances you're already getting from Hayes and Mancini. Mullen seems like he's turning it around. This team's kind of off and running a little bit right now. Um, the pitching still leaves a lot to be desired, but look, they've gotten back-to-back quality starts from Tyler Wells and Dean Kramer. And let's talk about the latter there for a minute. Dean Kramer, this is the best he's ever looked yeah. in an Orioles uniform. It seems to me the key, Zach, has been simply throwing strikes and pitching with that confidence. That right. confidence to know that, hey, I can get these guys out. I think definitely a few more quality strikes in the two outings that I've seen so far. Uh, the, the cutter was really a big issue for him last year, and just locating that, and he would leave it over the middle of the plate, and when you throw a bad cutter, it's simply like a fastball that's right down the middle that doesn't really break too much. You're not getting much on it, and it's very it's a very hittable pitch. The cutter, if you don't throw it well, can become maybe the most hittable pitch in baseball, and Dean Kramer really struggled to command it last year and really struggled to even get a lot of break on it. It just didn't look good. This year, the cutter looks excellent. I mean, it looks completely like it was um, in spring training, I believe, of 21. I want to say that's when he started trying it out and, and working on it a little bit more. And it's starting to look a little better. And it's not hanging up as much. It's breaking more. And guys are, are swinging and missing on it, which is obviously the goal. So he definitely looks better in that in that regard. And when you have lefty hitters and you, you come at him with a cutter and run him inside on the hands, uh, that's exactly what you want to do if you're Dean Kramer. And that's what he's been doing. Uh, the, the 12-6 hasn't looked quite as good as it did in 2020 when he originally came up, but it still looks better than it did last year by far. Fastball looks a little less hittable, throwing it for more quality strikes. I think quality strikes is, is the big thing for Dean Kramer, and I said that last show, that if he can just do that over and over consistently, he's going to be much better than he was in, in 2021, and I think we're already seeing the, the result of that. Well, and then you look at his three starts, and his first start coming off the rehab stint, he got what should have been called strike three mm-hmm. to end the first inning, and instead it was called ball four, and the yeah. next guy hits a three-run homer. Now look, you can't give up the three-run homer. But that was the only walk he allowed the entire game. He gave up nothing the rest of the way. Ended up going four and a third innings that that day. Uh, Then his next start, he goes five innings of one-run ball. And then last night, six innings of shutout ball. Mm -hmm. He's getting better every time out and pitching with more confidence. And I think... As much as throwing quality strikes, confidence is important. Oh, yeah, Believing that you can get this done, because you've seen time and time again, you've seen it with Dean Kramer uh, early on in his career, where he's getting hit around, and he's like, what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, now he's going out there, and he's, I'm not going to say dominating, but he's getting the job done, and it's really nice to see. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about Tyler Wells, because Tyler Wells has been the most consistent starter on this team. Yeah. Amazingly enough, he's the guy with the innings limit. He's the guy where like he's going to go three innings, four innings, maybe occasionally five. He's gone six innings four times now. Yeah. He's got, what is it, a three-and-a-half ERA? Uh, it, might be a little higher than that, but I think it's around it was there. Three, I'll seven, check on it that. It was three, seven, eight going into the last game, and he went six innings of, what was it, one-run ball in that game? So, for me, Tyler Wells has been... Tyler Wells has been better than advertised. It's three six two is the number right, as right. of now, which is great. Yeah, near three and a half. And he, the one thing that concerns me is the strikeout totals are very low. Yeah, which has been him through his whole career. So I, I wouldn't. Well, say... he struck out more than ten batters per game per nine innings last year. But as, in a as, completely as, different as, role, right? In a completely different role as a reliever. I, I look back at Jim Johnson. And even as a reliever, he didn't have high strikeout rates. I think he topped out like six and a half per nine. 
right? Mm-hmm. And he was dominant for a time, and then the league figured them out and started hitting him, yeah. right? Because if you're not a strikeout pitcher and you're pitching to contact, then you got to get a lot of weak contact, and eventually teams are going to start hitting you if you pitch to contact, in my humble opinion. So I look at Tyler Wells. Is he pitching to too much contact? Yeah, I mean, that could certainly be a, a question. Um, he doesn't walk many guys, which is obviously right. one of the big things that Tyler Wells excels in. So I don't necessarily care that the strikeouts are not that high, but I, w- I was looking back at his minor league numbers from 18, 17, and 16 with Minnesota, and you're correct. I mean, he was up in the 9s and 10s, uh, which is significantly better than where he is. I think a lot of it, like I said, is, is based on the role change because he did uh, re- relieve in a lot of those outings for Minnesota as well. Um, so maybe the, just the role change of being a full-time ah, starter. He, he, what, what, he, so, was a, he was mostly a starter. He was mostly a starter, but he had quite a few games in relief as well. He started most of the games, but just not all. So I mm-hmm. think maybe that skews the numbers a little bit as well. Um, but I think when you go from reliever to a starter, you're automatically going to take your, your strikeout totals down, your case per nine. But, I, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily pitching to too much contact. And the Orioles' defense has been really good, as you as you mentioned earlier in the show. So that's maybe helped him out a little bit. Um, his FIP is quite a bit higher. It's almost a run higher than his ERA. So there's definitely some concerns there that maybe the defense is helping him out and maybe he is pitching to a little bit too much contact. But I almost think with the success he's had and the whip, you know, basically at 1,073 right now, you really can't complain about what he's done. Like, I maybe he's pitching to too much contact, but it's not showing up too much in the in the numbers. They're looking good. So yeah, I, look, the Orioles need as much help as they can get in the starting rotation because you look at you look at Kyle Bradish, who hit two of his first three starts. He was fantastic, yeah. and he hasn't been able to replicate either of those right. performances since. Um, and the stuff is too good. This stuff, he's having a little bit of a Dean Kramer syndrome. Yeah. Oh, where, yeah. Where he, he's struggling to throw strikes consistently, but he's got to get out there. And you would have thought that maybe it's hard to say turn a corner in your third career start, mm-hmm. but maybe that would have been a jumping off point for him that yeah. seven innings, four hits, two runs, 11 strikeout, no walk performance against the St. Louis Cardinals. A right. good baseball team. You would think that maybe that would be a springboard for him. And it's kind of been the opposite. He hasn't been as good since then. And you start to wonder, especially when we just saw Bruce Zimmerman get sent down. And we're going to get to Bruce Zimmerman here in just a second. But how long is Kyle Bradish's leash at this I, point? I certainly think it's longer than a good number of guys on this team. Just because He's, he is the, the Kyle Bradish. The stuff is really good. I mean, you look at the slider and... If you if you were to put a you know number on it on the twenty to eighty scale, it's probably like a sixty sixty five. And the slider is well above average, and it's it's just the command that he's really got to improve at the slider. He just doesn't throw it for strikes that consistently. And when you're getting guys to swing at it, that's great. But a lot of times you're going to want to hit that outside corner to righties and try to land it in there, and that's just been the struggle for him. It's just to get that outside corner. A lot of times it's been running away too far. So command on the slider is where he's really got to improve. I think that's been the biggest issue. But I also thought his com- uh, mechanics looked a little bit off in a, in a few of the recent outings compared to what he was doing in the, the first two and three. Um, so maybe maybe it's a mechanical thing, but maybe it's also just that he can't locate the slider at the moment. And if he starts doing that, you know, the 95 fastballs start to play even better too because then guys don't know what's coming. They don't know which one he's going to throw for strikes. I think that makes him a lot more consistent and effective if you can just land the slider in the outside corner as opposed to trying to get guys to swing at it by throwing it too far out of the zone. So if he starts doing that, I think Bradish is going to be, you know, turn from where he is now now into a two or three times better pitcher than what he is. Yeah, he's going to get ample opportunity to figure it out at the big league level. Definitely, at least as long. And and it's longer than Bruce Zimmerman because the stuff's better. Right. 
Right. Um, and he's, he's a legitimate prospect. Like I, There were people in the Orioles organization that was written about that liked him as much as D.L. Hall. I mean, there are guys that really think highly of him. Right. Now, speaking of D.L. Hall, his last outing, only four and a third innings pitched, mm-hmm. but 11 strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. 89 pitches. That's the concern. Well, but you can also look at it from the standpoint of he threw 89 pitches. Right? It's not that... Yeah, he threw 89 pitches and only four and a third or four and two-thirds innings pitched. But he threw 89 pitches. And he, yeah, stru- and, and he, struck, and he struck out 11. I, I, I have to imagine... I, I know the 11 strikeouts are a career high. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine the 89 pitches is approaching a career high for him. Sounds right. Uh, yeah. uh, now, he, the most innings he's ever thrown in a season is 94 and a third. Rich Dubrow from BaltimoreBaseball.com is going to be on the show uh, at 11 o'clock today. Uh, he wrote an article recently where he's speculating that there's nobody more deserving to take Bruce Zimmerman's spot in the rotation right now mm-hmm. than D.L. Hall. And though the Orioles don't need a starter till next sa- a fifth starter till next Saturday, yeah. he doesn't think the Orioles are going to go are, are, are going to negate or what's the word I'm looking for here? He doesn't think that the Orioles are going to not use a fifth starter. Mm-hmm. He thinks that they, that there's a good chance that they could call up. Um, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm not going to say good chance, but he's speculating that they could call up Dean Kramer uh, for the start. Or D.L. Hall. Or, uh, not, yeah, D.L. Hall for the start on Tuesday. Um, and he was saying he's at 38 innings pitched right now, and if he were to make to get five inning starts the rest of the year with the Orioles, it would put him about 65 to 70 innings for the, at the big league level and a little yeah. over 100 for the season, which is about, I would think, where the Orioles want him, right? Yeah, it makes sense to me. I think that, you know, is about where he should be. I mean, you said 94 is the top in his career, so you add maybe, what, 15 onto that, and you call it a day, and or call it a year, I should say. Um, 110 innings, that makes sense. I think that's about right. Is he the guy that you think is, is going to make the start on Tuesday? I do not. You don't I think do, so? I, no, I, I don't. I, I feel it will be a placeholder, and D.O. Hall ends up making his debut in the middle of July. That's kind of where I feel... Um, I, I think the Orioles might view, you know, 89 pitches and only four and a thirds inning pitch. Like the, the efficiency is just not good enough at the moment for Hall, even though he's striking out a ton of guys and not giving up a lot of runs and not giving up a lot of hits either. It's just that the, the pitch efficiency isn't where they want it to be. So that would be my guess. But I, again, I, I don't know. He could be the guy. I, I hope he's the guy. I mean, that, well, would, be, so, that would be I, I, excellent. Uh, people were speculating, well, maybe it'll be Spencer Watkins, but he started last night, right? right yeah, and exactly. so then you have D.L. Hall and Mike Bauman. And Mike Ballman, they've right. been using strictly as a reliever right. this year. They're not just going to suddenly throw him into the rotation and and take him off completely off of his routine. Unless they want to do a piggyback thing with Aiken or something. That right, would be the but, only... But, but, but it's still going to take him off of his routine because uh, then he's preparing for the game like he's a starter instead yeah. of being in that bullpen role. Um, but I also think it's telling that they haven't used him since having him in, in the two or three days he's been up. So Yeah, that is definitely telling. I mean, if you throw the guy out there for two innings, it's not... I guess, too much different of a dynamic for him than it is coming in out of the pen. So we'll see if he does. I mean, again, I'd love it for to be D.L. Hall. I mean, that would be incredible, and I'd, I'd be happy to see that. I just think that it, it almost makes too much sense for them to do a piggyback thing with Ballman. Yeah, yeah, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Now, if Ballman pitches today or tomorrow, then that's, pro- that's probably not going to be the case on Tuesday. Now, the guy yeah. that we're talking about them replacing is Bruce Zimmerman. And on the roster... Bowman has replaced Bruce Zimmerman. And man, it went from really good to really bad really fast. Four earned runs or more in six consecutive starts. In his last in those six starts, 
30 and a third innings pitched, 33 earned runs, 15 home runs allowed, a 979 <laughs> yeah. ERA. And now it's a point where you're not just wondering if they can fix him, if he can fix him. You're wondering, is this kind of more what he is? And the the, the beginning of the year was more the outlier, and he is not really a big league pitcher. Yeah, that could certainly be the case. I know that Chris Holt worked with him hard on you know getting that fastball changeup combo that kind of has driven John Means' career so far. And that seemed like what would work for him. He came out, and it looked really good at the beginning of the year. And I think everyone got excited because you see a guy doing basically what John Means was doing from the same side, the left side, and being effective with it with a fastball changeup combo, and you, you get excited about that. But what he's done since then is lose command of the changeup and lose command of the fastball. And that's something that never happened to John Means. John Means retained all of that command for the most part and that's why John Means is having the success that he had and and it has had such a great career up to this point Bruce Zimmerman lost the command he just doesn't have it anymore he was throwing down and away the changeup was it was breaking hard some arm side fade on it it looked good and now there's just none of that there and he's leaving the changeup you know right over the middle of the plate and it's just batting practice for a lot of these hitters at the moment and you know he's facing the AL East it's one of the toughest places to play and there's a lot of good hitters that are going to watch film on you and maybe the, the the film watching that a lot of these players have done have, have caught them up to the fastball changeup combo and they just sit on it now and I, I mean especially the fastball I think is really getting sit on like these guys especially the, the Kansas City Royals game from a few weeks ago in Kansas City when Zimmerman pitched that I was, noticed that wasn't a few weeks ago that was last week that was last yeah, last week. But uh, Salvador Perez specifically was really—you could tell—he knew it was coming. Like mm-hmm. every time, I mean, he was on every pitch Zimmerman threw, and I, I just thought at the moment I was like, "Yeah, this is this is not working. The command isn't there, and something's got to change at this point." So hopefully, he figures it out. I do appreciate the fact that the Orioles didn't say, "Well, this is a lost season. Let's just keep. Let's just hope he figures it out." That they sent him down because. Any team that has a pitcher that's pitching that poorly for that, consi- that 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 long of a period, they're doing something about it. And they actually sent him down, which I, I was actually surprised. I was surprised to see him get sent down after his last start because the Orioles teams in the past wouldn't do that. And that brings me to my next point, that the Orioles just came off an eight-game road trip where they went 4-4. Four and four. And it's especially impressive when you consider the fact that they lost the first two games of the of the Kansas City series. And then they got walloped by Toronto in the first game and in the third game, and yet they still managed to split both of those series. After last night's win, they're 20 and they're 23 and 23 in their last 46 games, which is more than a quarter of the season playing 500 ball. Um more than a quarter of the season playing 500 ball, Zach. Mm-hmm. Is this team Legitimate. Let me ask you this. Let me phrase it this way. Say that the Orioles, the Orioles, say that the Orioles mm-hmm. end the season eight games below 500, 77 and 85. Okay. That would mean that they went 71 and 71 since they were 6 and 14 through mm-hmm. 20 games. Do you consider that ball club a 500 team and worth, worth an expenditure uh, to get them over the hump a little bit? I, no, I, I wouldn't. Um, I, 
I don't think I saw some people talking about what the Orioles are going to do at the trade deadline in a few weeks, or not in a few weeks, but in, in a month and a half. And some people were, I think, getting a little overzealous about what they might possibly do. And I think that's the same case here, where you can't take what the Orioles have done, and they they might. I mean, they might win seventy seven games, and fine if they do. I just don't think you can take what they've done, especially recently, and get like too excited at the moment. I don't I don't want to um, crush hopes and dreams here at all. Like I, I don't want to be the guy to deliver the bad news. I just think that there is a, per- a certain part of the streak that may not last and that the, the Orioles are may- maybe playing just a bit above, you know, the where where their actual talent level is now. Um, so, you know, if, if they if they do end up going 77 wins and they're eight games under 500, that'd be a huge success. And I mean, I think everyone would be happy about that. But I think you can't get too overzealous, especially at the trade deadline, and start making moves because you think you have a chance at, at getting to a wild card spot because, it, frankly, they, they probably don't. I mean, they're eight games out of it at this point. Um, so it, it, I, yeah, I hope but, I'm but, answering but, your question the right way. But I, I don't think you should get overzealous about so your, no, 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 your position. No, no, no. Nobody's, nobody's asking. That's a question I was going to ask you later in the show. Okay. Nobody's asking you right now, should the Orioles go and make a big splash at the trade deadline? Because mm-hmm. they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. Exactly. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Okay. What I'm asking you is if if a team plays 500 ball from the 20-game point in the season on to the end of the year, mm-hmm. knowing what they have coming through the pipeline, yeah, is it worth an expenditure in the offseason – to bring in some people to maybe shore up the rotation or maybe shore up second base. I mean, I, I think that's for sure. It's just how big of a, a how big of a spend do you want to make. I mean, that's the biggest question. Like, how how much money do you actually want to spend in this scenario? The Never, time the, the, uh, 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 and Michael Elias alluded to this. The skies you got blue skies ahead. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yet they have ros- they have roster and payroll flexibility. Mm-hmm. Right. You move that wall back for a reason. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's holding your team back right now, in my opinion, is starting pitching. Yeah, no doubt. The, the lineup has been really good for a, since the beginning of May. The lineup has been really good. Mm-hmm. The defense has been really good. The, the bullpen is one of the best in baseball. And then you go to the starting rotation. And the reason that the Orioles are under five hundred, aside from the fact that for the first three weeks of the season they couldn't score more than three runs a game, yeah. is the fact that the starting pitching is not keeping them in ball games. Yeah, I mean that that they could certainly go out and sign a starting pitcher. I'm not sure of who the guys are that are free agents coming up this year, but I I wouldn't expect them to sign like the top guy. But they may get a few oh, of, of those not. those higher mid tier guys because I think that's where they are at the moment. I'm just questioning how much they will spend at the moment. If you go out and win 77 games, it looks like you may be what an 85 win, 88 win team at the most next year. So I, I think and that's right. But if you, that if could you, be if, enough if, for a playoff if, spot. If you're an 85 or an 88 win team next year. Mm-hmm. Right, it, 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 you're saying, assuming they do nothing, and they just continue to progress with the guys well, that I, they have. If they win 77 games this year, they continue to progress with the guys that they have. Mm-hmm. You have Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall and Kyle Bradish and yeah. Tyler Wells, and, and then John Means maybe in your starting rotation next year. Uh, and then potentially Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg on the left side of your infield. Mm-hmm. And the, the guys that you already have in the lineup... Maybe you're an 85 to 88 win team. Well, if that's the case, then why wouldn't you go sign that one or that 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 seven war starter, that five war starter that can a seven war starter is a, a damn. That's like signing Justin Verlander in free agency sure. when he's 31 years sure. old, right? But why not go and sign that starting pitcher that can get you to the 90 92 win threshold and put you in the playoffs? I again, I think it's a possibility. It, it kind of again depends on where they end up this year. If they do end up, 
I mean, I, I, I think they'll end up in the 70s somewhere. I think that's, given mm-hmm. the, the general uh, trend of the team and, and the way they've been winning ball games as of late, I think that's definitely a possibility and a, and a strong one. Um, it's just, if you get to 77, will they feel differently than you know being at 70? I think there are some definite questions there of, of how much the Orioles will be willing to go out and spend. But like you've said all along, I mean, like, this show's been, it's been a theme of it. They're going to spend when they get competitive. It's just mm-hmm. when and on who. And I definitely think, as, as Michael Elias has made it kind of clear, they want to draft the bats and they want to buy the arms so it would not surprise me if they went out and signed like a mid to high tier guy and what's your definition of competitive because they've been competitive this year they, 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 well they, i think they, competitive for a playoff spot is, okay. is where so a wild card spot if you're if you're in the running for a wild card spot which i mean i guess you could say they are but they're eight games out of it so may I they're mean, eight games out of it in the middle of june in the middle it's of not, june, it's sure. not like this is the end of august they're eight games out of it in yeah. the, middle of the middle of june which okay i was going to save this question for later but we'll, we'll ask it now uh birdland tonight which is run by um, Matt Soroka. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it no Josh by Josh Soroka right. of the three thirty section three thirty six podcast? Um, he asked, "There's thirty seven games until the trade deadline. How many games would the Orioles need to win in that thirty seven game span to be buyers at the deadline?" And I responded, "I said twenty three minimum. They'd have to go twenty three and fourteen. Because that would put them a game over 500. And even then, I don't know that they would do it. Yeah, I think it may be more than that. I if they go thirty and seven, yeah, then, I, th- I think one hundred percent. Then yeah, they're buyers. I, I, right, I would agree. I, I think that Mike Elias may boil a a twenty three and fourteen uh, streak down, or even twenty five games or twenty or whatever it may be, um, to just a hot streak and and to not you know I guess go away from the plan and go away from what they've they've been on. And well, that, that's the biggest question is like, do you really want to make a move right now if you don't feel like you're that close to the playoffs? To that point. Now you're looking at uh, 20 and 17, 23 and 14, a 25 and 12 stretch, mm-hmm. following a 23 and 23 stretch in the previous 46 games. Mm-hmm. So then you look at it and you think, okay, well, a team that's getting better, they started out eight games below 500. Yeah. Then they go 23 and 23 in the next 46 games. We got a second. Then they go. 23 and 17 or 23 and 14 in the next 37 games mm-hmm. that's a team moving in the right direction definitely but I mean, they're trending up so yeah. if they're trending up add to it so the next trending up means now they're in a playoff now they're fighting for a playoff spot yeah I mean that's certainly I think the next step Look, and this is all pipe dream stuff right now because nobody's sure. thinking that the, the they're playing good baseball this year and they have the entire season they've played competitive baseball there haven't been too many games where they're just out of it it's hypothetical questions that that are, I guess, valid to ask at this point. They are they valid are. to ask because yeah. they're playing better. When you look at what they have at the top of the farm system, and we're going to talk about that later in the show today, when you look at what they have at the top of the farm system, them playing winning baseball is not as far off as people would like you to believe. No, it's not, and they're definitely like like you said. We, I think defining competitive is a big thing in this because is competitive that you're you know two games out of a wild card spot, or is competitive that you're you're you know having a good streak like the Orioles are right now, and you're, mm-hmm. you're winning more games than you than you were. And I, I think maybe it's a loose term, and that it can kind of be defined by both, or is competitive being in you know number one in your division. I mean, there's there's I think there's a good number of, of definitions there for that. Right. Well. And to that point, I don't think anybody looks at the Yankees and says they're competitive. They say they're dominant. When you're not, when you're in first place in your division, when you have the best record in baseball, you're not competitive. You're dominant, right? And the Orioles aren't there. The Orioles are 
inching closer, but I I use the phrase inching closer because they're not close to being dominant. They're not close to being the best team in their division. They're not close to being the best team in baseball. But they're inching forward. And again, later in the show, we're going to talk about this in Orioles banter because the Orioles have a lot of... A lot of things to be excited about going on with them right now, not just at the big league level, but in the minor league level as well. Coming up on the show in just a matter of seconds, we have Stan the Fan. Charles, we're going to do Sounding Off with Zach Goodman, a really good Sounding Off segment today. Uh, from base- BaltimoreBaseball.com, Rich Ubroff joins us at 11 o'clock. Payoff pitch around the league, Orioles banter, and take to rake with final thoughts to close things out. But first and foremost, joining us now on the show, the man, the myth, the legend, Stan, the fan, Charles. Good morning to you, Stan. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing well. You sound a lot better. It sounds like you're feeling better. Uh, these allergies are still wreaking oh. havoc with me. Yeah, it's that it's that time of year, man. Yeah. You and you and me yeah. both. So, yeah. Stan, Dean Kramer, six innings pitched, five hits, five Ks, one uh, one strike. I'm, I'm sorry, one run allowed. Or no runs allowed yesterday. One walk. Pretty solid, his first three starts. What have you seen been, from Dean he's Kramer? He's been uh, basically a, a revelation. You know, uh, the, the key thing I like is his pace was always dictated because he was so slow because he was always behind in the count. And he was, seemed like he was pitching afraid to pitch. He doesn't appear to be afraid to pitch now. He sort of, something, something's gotten into him where psychologically... He knows his stuff plays at this level, and he's just got to be more aggressive and throw strike one, and he's doing a lot of that. Yeah, I, I think the, the key for him is, and Zach alluded to this earlier today, throwing quality strikes and also pitching with confidence. And I think that he's proving to himself that he can pitch with success at this level, and it's showing on the field. You know, you know what's an unbelievable, and Zach probably knows it exactly, but uh, the stats on what the – the opponent's batting average is when you get ahead 0-1 versus 1-0, 1-2 versus 2-1. It's it's almost unbelievable to the layman. You go, well, what the hell is the difference? You know, it, it just really is. It's a game of controlling the count. And every time I looked up last night because I was, I was home, I was going to go to the game last night. And I frankly was a little too fatigued to go after a long day, right. uh, which is totally unusual for me. But anyway, I was eating dinner watching, and every time I looked up, I saw the account was 0 and 1, 1 and 2, not mm-hmm. 2 and 1, 3 and 1, 2 and 0. Uh, it was remarkable. And uh, I just keep my fingers crossed that uh, we got something there. Because uh, <laughs> when Dan Duquette picked them up, I know we, again, we were trading Manny Machado to the Dodgers with two, like two months and ten days left in his con. You know where they could control him, so you weren't going to get their best. Pro- you weren't getting Walker Bueller or something right. like that. You know, so uh, we got him, and uh, it looks. You know, I'm quietly confident that we got something there. Yeah, and, and stand to your point, I noticed him being ahead in a lot of counts too, to, to the point where when I saw him fall behind in account two one. Uh, in the sixth inning yesterday, I was like, oh, no, please don't let the wheel, the wheels fall off. Because yep. we've been battered yep. by this before, but he was pitching so well and getting ahead so often that it was yep. unusual to see a count like that. Now, the yep. guy that the guy that he's throwing to, Stan, Adley Rutschman, he's finally turned it on. 10 for 29 his last, at, his last eight games, five doubles, a home run, 
four RBIs. Not just not not just that, Stan, but the fire that he showed at the end of the game last night when Jorge Lopez got that that strikeout to end the game. The fist pump, the jumping out of the crouch, the excitement to go out and, and congratulate his pitcher. This looks like the guy that he looks like a guy that turns around the franchise. Well, I'll tell you the most important number to me for him is, and remember, most of the, uh, according to Griffin Bass yesterday, they've played 26 games since he's been brought up, mm-hmm. and they are now 13 and 13. Yeah. That's yeah. what I see. And again, has he been instrumental in all 13 victories? Of course not. But having a leader back behind that plate, and I urge anybody that hasn't read our cover story that's now off the streets, but it's still very available. It's called It Takes a Leader uh, at PressBoxOnline.com. Our editor, Luke Jackson, did a great job with it. And there's just a lot of intangibles with him as a leader, as a teammate, uh, that, that starts to feel real positive. You know, he's a, he's a tremendous leader. There's no question about it. And I dare say, over the last three and a half, four years since Mike Elias got here, I don't know that we've had a 26-game stretch where we've been 13 and 13. Well, I'll tell you, Steve. Maybe in, maybe in 2020 we had a stretch like that, you know, because of the weirdness of that season. But, uh well, Stan, I, I will tell you that in the Orioles' last 46, 46 games this year, they're twenty three mm-hmm. and twenty three. Yep. They, yep. They, they've been playing. They've been playing five hundred baseball since the twenty game point in the season. Right. Zach, you had a point to make. Yeah, Stan, I know you'd expressed a bit of concern. I think it was after just one of the first few games that Adley had caught. You, you expressed some concern over some of the pitches that he had called during the game. Have you seen some improvements there from him on his his pitch calling and, and, and kind of how he's handled these pitchers throughout the game? I don't remember ha- having said I had a. Major I think it was just like one or, one or two pitches. It wasn't like a major. There was yeah. one pitch that I I remember I did not. Not understand there was a change up to somebody and I said why would you you know but no I I, I don't generally have much of an argument with him you know are you I love his I love his setup uh you know he's he's a nice ball player there's really no question about it got a chance I, I I'm not ready to proclaim he's a hall of famer but I can proclaim comfortably that we got ourselves a real solid foundation piece for oh, the he, next he's, six to eight years at least. He seems to be fantastic. Now, I do have one concern. I'm wondering how concerned you are. I've seen a lot of his, his throws sail into center field or short hop and end up in center field. Are you at yeah. all concerned about the throwdowns to second base? So a lot of them are on the money, but a lot of them have ended up in center field yeah. as well. Yeah, um, I wouldn't call it a concern. It's just... Uh, you remember, they're trying to, uh, I'm not saying that this is the reason, but remember long term, they're going to go to these longer, these bigger bases mm-hmm. next year, apparently. Mm-hmm. And part of the, the reasoning behind that is they want to have more stolen bases because it's going to be a shorter distance between bases. Right. So I, I think the key is not how many he throws out, it's, it's that the throws are on the money given the shortstop or second baseman an opportunity to make a play. And, you know, that that whole thing has changed so much where it seems now that the whoever is taking the throw tries to get in front of the bag and get the ball quicker and spin back and, you know, swipe tag. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of outs recorded that way. So I don't have any 
big worries about it. You know? All right. All right. Now, um, moving over to the pitching side of things, Bruce Zimmerman sent down following his sixth consecutive poor start. It's still early in his career. But what does Bruce Zimmerman's future look like? It's been six straight starts of four earned runs and more with a 9.79 ERA over that span. Well, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, you know uh, that that was the of all the trades that was the um, that was the trade we made with Atlanta where we 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 sort of said okay we'll give you Gosman in the deal uh, if you take. Darren O'Day, who couldn't pitch that year that we traded him, mm-hmm. and they knew they had to wait for him till the next year. Uh, but the Orioles saved about twelve million dollars by them taking O'Day, so you're not going to get a lot back in return mm-hmm. for Gosman there, because uh, first of all, Gosman wasn't pitching that that well at the time. But the key to that trade for the Orioles was salary reduction, because I think they saved about two and a half million on Gosman. And about uh, ten or eleven overall on O'Day, uh, so that was the key to that. So, having said that, um, I was optimistic that maybe Chris Holt and the whole analytic approach that they have was bringing something out of him that we hadn't seen early on. Mm-hmm. And it looked at you know, I'm just I'm I'm if you ask me thumbs up or thumbs down, and uh, and you had a gun to my head. I'd probably say thumbs down, but uh, he could go down there and string together. I, I hope he doesn't come up in ten days now when we need we need a fifth starter or something. You know, when he really hasn't had any time to accomplish anything. Right. I, I see that with not just the Orioles, with all organizations. You know, they send their their, their worst guy down to work on something. But the worst guy is still, because he had been in the major leagues most recently, is sort of the first guy to get called up. I'd like to see what he's done at AAA after 10 or 12 starts. You yeah. know, and see if he really warrants sort of an August recall that he's got something figured out. Because I think if they just bring him up and he gets thrown back in the mix again, you know, right away, uh, which is quite possible because they don't have... You know, they're one injury away from needing another starter, you know. Right. So, um, you know, but but again, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I think he's a real good kid. I think he's earnest. I think he works pretty hard. I just don't think he has a world of stuff, and he certainly doesn't command what he has well enough in the strike zone. Well, and somebody's going to need to replace him in the starting rotation. Now, Mike Ballman took his spot on the roster, but they've been using him strictly as a reliever this year. D.L. Hall would be working on normal rest if he were to make the start on Tuesday for the Orioles. Career-high 11 strikeouts and 89-pitch outing his last time out. Is it time for D.L. Hall to be at the Major League level? It's uh, it's darn close, you know. Um I had didn't pay attention to how the Nationals used Voth when we picked him up. Mm-hmm. Is he a candidate? Is he was he stretched out at one point this not, season? Not this year. They're building. They're still building his innings up. But he was a starter for the Nationals in the past. Yes. Yeah, in the past, I knew he was a starter, but I didn't know what they used him as this year. Yeah, they've been saying uh, my, on the broadcast. My, so my gut is that that that's who'll get the start when they yeah. they need a yeah. spot, and it'll be like a three inning attempt. Yeah. You know, with Brian Bar- Baker behind him, 
for two or something like that. Yeah, pro- probably, probably. They don't yeah. need a fifth starter till next Saturday. Um, but I'll, t- I'll tell you again, and I, I'll leave it to the uh, the experts, you know, Michael Elias and Sig and those guys, and Chris Holt. But boy, when I see those numbers that uh, DL Hall puts up, um, I I still go back to thinking he's Josh Hader, you know, and that yeah. that that's his real. Despite the fact we need starting pitching, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see him in a starting role with the Orioles this year, but with the injury history uh, and durability issues, I just wonder if you're not better off uh, sort of, you know, brushing your hands together and say, let's get 75 to 85 innings out of this guy in a you know in meaningful games, games you have a chance to win that he comes in and he's like a rook on the chessboard. You just can't match him, you know. Yeah, Stan, I think one of the big concerns for me and the reliever risk with D.L. Hall is so high because the pitch efficiency just hasn't been that good. He's talked a lot about command and the criticism he's gotten from the media regarding it um, and how he thinks his command is probably a little better than everyone else does. But then you see mm-hmm. him go out there and throw four and a third's innings and only you know throw 89 pitches in that, in that amount of time. And you would have liked to have seen him get maybe five innings, six innings out of 89 pitches, but you get four and a third. Does the pitch efficiency concern you at all in that reliever risk as well? Yeah, I mean when you when you lay it out that that way, Zach, it certainly is. You know, I, my gut again. If you put a gun to my head again and said starter reliever, I think has a chance to be a phenomenal relief pitcher. I think I think you're looking at an uphill battle with uh you know with trying to make him you know a, a starting pitcher. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. He's been around long enough. That, that you start to see a, a pattern, and you don't see many long starts in his career. Now, some of that is by the fact they wanted to control his pitch counts and innings pitched earlier. But, you know, it was like when the Orioles acquired Dylan Tate, the Yankees had acquired him from Texas. He was a former number one pick by Texas. He was a relief pitcher in college, a stud relief pitcher in college. And the Yankees were concluded we can turn him into a starter. Well, they'd had him for three years, and he had never even pitched like 80, 80, 90 innings in a season. And I go, what makes you think all of a sudden at 25 years old you're going to turn this guy into a, you know, a starting pitcher? I, I, I don't see where the buildup comes on D.L. Hall where he's going to be efficient for you as a starting pitcher. Yeah, the, he certainly the pitch efficiency has certainly been hampering his career to this point. And you may be right, Stan. It may ultimately come down to, look, we think that when you are just throwing at your max for an inning or two, that's when you're going to be able to help us the best. We'll we'll see how that goes. I know that. I, I mean, I'll tell you, if he's up next year in that role, and Grayson is here, and they go out and spend money and pick up one st- one other starting pitcher, and they have the offense that they're putting out there now, and you know. Um, they start to be, a, you know, I won't call it dangerous club just yet. They start to be a very interesting club. Yeah, I, I think that they're they're on the cusp of turning a, concor- a, a corner here in the coming months and maybe as soon as next year we will certainly see. Now, Stan, I know we have limited time with you today, so I want to jump into a segment that I thought about the other day. And Kyle Stowers made me think of it. Because he, yeah. he came up when Anthony Santander had to miss the four games in Toronto, and we all know why. Right. Uh, and he only played in the two games. I feel like he would have played in all four, 
had um, sorry, I'm trying to hold back a sneeze here. Um, I feel like he would have uh, <laughs> he, he would have played in all four had it been this is your debut and you're here to stay. But because they knew Santander was coming back, he only played in two of the games. They were also matching up with the lefty, and Gossman's really really tough against left-handed pitchers, so I understood that. Right. Um, I don't think we're going to see Stowers again until Anthony Santander is traded. And I think we can all agree that at the deadline, the Orioles are going to be sellers. So I have a list of several names here. I want you to tell me if these players are likely to be traded or not and why. And we're going to start with Anthony Santander. It seems like he's a placeholder for Stowers until the Orioles find the right deal for him. Um, part of this, and I, you know, I read your notes, uh, the things you wanted to talk about. You know, this is like a domino effect, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you if you do trade, I'm going to jump ahead of you here. If And Jim Bowden's piece in The Athletic, the 125 players to watch that could get traded, was really fascinating when he got to the name Cedric Mullins. Right. Uh, because there are some teams out there that really say, you know what, price point and what he accomplished last year and the whole package, speed, and all that, um, we could give up some prospects for him. Mm-hmm. And and he pointed to the Marlins in particular, who aren't really in contention, but they're not 100% out of it either. And Kim Ang is a pretty creative general manager, I think. And she might, the Bowden actually said, this is one to watch. Because he said the Orioles aren't actively pursuing trading him, but if somebody comes, so you start to look at it. Is Miami going to throw you two really good pitching prospects for Anthony Santander? I don't see it. You know, uh, now, and Mancini. I think the problem, uh, and I think Mancini will get dealt. But I think the problem with him is I don't think the Marlins view him as a uh, outfielder. You know, right? I think they view. I think most teams, uh, probably rightfully so, view him as a real good DH. And Jim and, and Jim uh, Bowden did say that if Trey Mancini is traded, he could be the best bat dealt at this deadline. Yeah, I, I again don't overlook the New York Mets um, because uh, the Mets are going to be in a dogfight with the Braves to win the division before it's all over. The Braves are, you know, they've made their their giant move. And now incrementally they can they can go pace to pace with the Mets and be close enough that they can overtake them. But I think Buck Showalter is going to convince um, the owner that hey, this isn't just a battle for the National League East. We want to be in the World Series against the Yankees, and we want to be able to beat the Yankees. And how do they get better? Uh, I think their DHs uh, their DHs have probably have you know again I haven't studied it. But Robinson Cano was such a flop, and Dominic Smith wasn't doing it, so he's back in the minors. They they could use a really good DH, and I think Trey Mancini and Buck Showalter, the relationship is a solid one. Um, they've stayed in touch. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. That does now, make a lot of do sense. Do I have a matchup of who they'd give us for that? Because they'd have to give us they'd have to give us when we trade when you start talking about trading. Mancini Mullins, you start to talk about needing to get back really near ready, can't miss prospects. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, no, I, 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 
I oh, for Mullins, I would I would agree with with Mancini. I don't know that you're going to get uh, near ready, can't miss, pro- uh, can't risk prospect. But the bat has been phenomenal, Zach. I was thinking possibly. I'll tell you one one other thing about seriously. And, and Luke Jackson and I talk a lot of baseball during games. We're back and forth texting on the phone. We are both really down on Mullins, his arm. You know that it's, the it's good awful. teams, the smart teams just run on him with not one ounce of, you know, hesitation at all. Tagging up from first to second, going from first to third very easily. It's it's not long-term. It's just not an arm. I'll tell you, you know, uh, McKenna has really, you know, he's he's not a... Not a he's a decent ball player. He hasn't he he's no longer an automatic out in the nope, lineup. He's no longer an automatic out and he is despite that one flop play early in the year in left field mm-hmm. that I still don't know how he missed. Yeah. Uh he's still um he's he's come on and he's fast, he plays hard. You can tell his teammates like him. Uh so you know, they've got a in addition to Stowers, they got now can Stowers, Zach and and Paul can he play any center field, or would Hayes move to center? He's been, as I, I, I would imagine Hayes would move to center, but he has been playing yeah. all three outfield spots down in uh, Norfolk. Yeah, yeah. So, all all right, right. Stan, I know that you're just about out of time, so we're going to save some of these names for next week, and we'll get back at this uh, with you all right. next week. All right, appreciate weekend. it, guys. Have a great rest of the show. Tell Rich Dubroff I said hello. Well, hey, Stan, real quick, who do you have on Monday? Um, I think we're going to end up, doing something a little different. I think we're going to have a baseball roundtable with Luke Jackson, but i got to run that by Ross. We were we were looking at getting Jim Gott, the uh, former Toronto Blue Jays pitcher. His son, Trevor, pitches in the major leagues. Jim is uh, Dave Tremblay's pitching coach in that league, you know, for the, uh, the college, the college the, players. The yeah. Yeah. So he's his pitching coach, but he, I thought they were off on Monday nights. He said, please call me as soon as the season's over. So why Jim got that down the road? And then I threw out the name Rich Dower to Ross Grimsley, and let's keep our thoughts and prayers out there for Rich Dower. Took a bad fall and uh, is is battling right now. So, oh, sorry to hear that. Uh, great exordial, you know. So anyway, uh, I think it'll be Luke Jackson, Ross Grimsley, and I, and we'll uh, do a roundtable panel just about some of these same topics. All right. Okay. Sounds excellent, Sam. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your week. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. See ya. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with former Hall of Fame president Jeff Idelson and great sports photographer Gene Fruth. While Stan and Gary chat with Calvert Hall co- golf coach and 105.7 The Fan host Drew Forrester. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline dot com slash video as Stan just said he and Ross are back this Monday likely with Luke Jackson the editor from Press Box Sports to have a baseball roundtable and on Wednesday Stan and Gary will chat with the John Topkins across legend Kyle Harrison that and more to come from Stan the fan Charles with that in mind it is time for sounding off with Zach Goodman which is brought to you today by me hi I'm Paul Valley. <laughs> Host of the Bat Around, Server Extraordinaire, 
Just overall wow. good guy. Great great guy. Great guy. Overall good guy. Great guy. Nice to see you. Zach, what do you got for me sounding off? I thought you were about to do a live read here. All right. All right. I was we're going getting to, it. but they're, they're long. Bra- we brought to we you just, by me. We, we, uh, we did a long one, and so... Um, Fair enough. Well, yeah. I'll get to it then. I'll get to it. So I, I wanted to, to explore a little bit this week after hearing about Anthony Rendon and his season-ending injury that... It's just another roadblock uh, in his his contract with the Angels that was one of the bigger contracts given out over the last few years and still has $154 million left on it over the next four years, which is sizable money. And he look, he, I'm going I'm to preface this by Almost saying... Almost $40 million a year. Yeah, right. And Rendon is a great, was a great player with the Washington Nationals. He was a great player that... He, he had legitimate case to be MVP in 2019. Yeah, he, he was like a six and a half war player. I mean, the guy was, was phenomenal. The guy, the guy was phenomenal. So I, I don't necessarily, and again, this is just a preface, but I don't necessarily blame the Angels 100% for going out and doing what they did and giving him the contract. Because well, they the wanted Angels, Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole didn't want to come. That's, that's also true. And the Angels are a team that have had Mike Trout, and obviously Otani was kind of starting to be in the mix at that point. And they want to supplement those guys with with guys around them. So I get it. I get why you signed Rendon. But this is turning out to be one of the worst long-term contracts that we've seen given out in in years. And you look at Chris Davis, obviously that was horrible. But Rendon's not even that far back from there. I mean, he's, he's been simply not that great on the field, and he's been basically off the field the entire time of his contract. He's only hit 20 home runs. He's batting about 255. I mean, those are pretty average numbers, nothing to get too really excited yeah, about. Yeah, but for, when you uh, consider the fact that this is his third season there, and those are his numbers? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's nothing, uh, nothing to write home about. So... I, I want to do some research on long-term contracts and essentially their success rates over time. Um, so there was a study that was done by Britton Hagen in 2017 that analyzed uh, success rates in long-term contracts from 2001 to 2010. And it measured these success rates um, by contracts that were five-plus years, and it measured it by the stat of uh, dollar per win by replacement. So essentially, um, mixing money being paid to them and war, which is not exactly a stat I've heard of before, but it works out here and he explains it a little bit if you want to go read the article about that. But um, he found that there is a 29.7% success rate in these contracts that are five plus years from 2001 to 2010, which is obviously pretty low. And he also found that teams giving it, that give out extensions are far more successful than teams that give out long-term free agent contracts. And also that guys receiving these long-term contracts between 21 and 24, which Rendon was not, um, are are far more successful uh, in the in the long term scheme of things. So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because it, you look at the 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 bulk of these long term extensions that have been given out, and they've been pretty bad. Like they they don't have. I mean, you give out a what six year extension, you're expecting a guy to be good for maybe what four of them. I mean, you're you're expecting to to waste probably two of those years, and it, basically any long term contract you give out, maybe if you give out a ten year contract, you're expecting to waste four years, and. I just think it's going to make teams rethink how they're giving out free agent contracts in the future. And I think you're already starting to see it because Carlos Correa this year, um, he was maybe he was offered more. We don't really get the background of that, but he ended up signing a deal that was a short-term contract and has opt-outs that he could be a free agent as soon as this year. So I, I think teams are starting to rethink a little bit how they structure these deals because of guys like Anthony Rendon and guys like Chris Davis that have just failed completely well, over these long-term contracts. And you look at really the only contract that's worked out was Max Scherzer with the Nats. Yes, right. That, even Clayton Kershaw's yeah. monster contract, the last half of it, he suffered from back injuries every yeah. year, right? And then you look at David Price's big contract, and the, you don't—I don't even know that he still pitches. You know, uh, I don't. I, he was, he, I think he's I, in the pen for the I Dodgers think he's with with the Dodgers, but he hasn't been relevant. No. 
in four years, no. right? And then you look at the Angels, and man, you think the Orioles were snake bitten with the date with the Chris yeah. Davis contract? Look at the Angels with C.J. Wilson; they got nothing out oh, of him. Oh yeah, jo- Josh Hamilton; too. they got nothing out of him. <laughs> Another good one. Uh, um, Albert Pujols, good player, right? Mm-hmm. Great Hall of yeah. Fame player in St. Louis. In with the exception of his first season when he hit two ninety nine and drove in ninety nine uh, with the Angels. Yeah, he was mediocre. And especially those last three years, he did nothing. I mean, he, he drove in a ton of runs mm-hmm. for them. He drove in a ton of runs for them, but the average was middling. Right? I think he was he, always in the two fifties. Two fifties. He'd hit twenty to twenty to thirty home yeah. runs, driving eighty to hundred, but couldn't play the field for. He was a one trick pony. He was no MVP, and that's right. certainly not what. what and he, they, they paid him to be an MVP, and he right. and he wasn't right. an MVP, exactly. right? And so now, and then you look at the Justin Upton contract didn't really work <laughs> out too well for them, and now you look, they've got. Uh, Mike Trout, and now he's coming down with injuries the last couple of years, and, and then, also got a massive extension. Yeah, yeah. Got, got that massive, massive extension, and it just Anthony Rendon. He he couldn't stay healthy in college. Yeah, he had a two, I think two or three healthy seasons in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was hurt a lot there, and he's been hurt the entirety. Yeah. Of his yeah. of his tenure with the Angels, and when he has been on the field, the numbers haven't been there. Yeah, he's been very average, and his defense has been good. I will say that his defense has been excellent, uh, which is I guess part for the course for him. He is a good defender, but the the hitting numbers. I think when he went down this year, he was only hitting like the two twenties, two thirties. So he's yeah. not certainly not a guy that is, is certainly an, an impact. And now anymore. now he's done for the season after only for, after only yeah. forty five games. I believe that Anthony Rendon is an impact player still. He is. But he's got to stay on the field. He's got to. Yeah. And maybe they've reached a point where this dude's got a DH. Yeah. We've got to keep him off his feet as much as possible. And If all he has to do is take four at-bats a game, yeah. then maybe that's maybe that's what it's going to take for this guy to get yeah. back to being a 280 to 320 hitter that hits 30 home runs. I know another example. I, I know I just said that extensions have been generally more successful than free agent contracts, but... You look at Steven Strasburg, who just received a massive extension from the the Nationals, and now there's questions of if he'll ever pitch again because there are some serious injury issues with going on with him and his hands and his wrists. And sir, I mean, he's back on the injured list. He pitched one game, uh, started this week, and was not good. He gave up, uh, I think, seven you know, seven earned over four point two innings. So he, uh, you know, is, is another great example of that. Yeah, uh, and I love Steven Strasburg. Hopefully, he can, he can yeah. bounce back from this, but it's it's kind of telling that yeah. one start and he's right back on the IL. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of the Bat Around. Today's first hour of the show is brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It's the best place to be for the playoffs and all the big coming up of uh, big upcoming events. That is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Big crowds are expected at Live Casino and Hotel this week with Dave Chappelle performing in the hall at Live. So the FanDuel Sportsbook will have lots of foot traffic. If you're looking to come out to watch and bet on the U.S. Open today or tomorrow or Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight, make sure you reserve your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. When we come back from the break from BaltimoreBaseball.com, Rich Dubroff on the Batter Round. Hey O's fans, 2022 Orioles single game tickets are on sale now. Come celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards with tickets starting as low as $10. Relive your favorite moments and make new memories this season. Choose from your favorite homestands when the O's take on the New York Yankees, Washington Nationals, and Boston Red Sox, or fan favorite giveaways like Birdland Hawaiian shirt and collectible bobbleheads. Experience the ballpark that forever changed baseball. Buy now at Orioles.com tickets. 
Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy our award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings. Or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Welcome back to the Battle Round. Joining us now from BaltimoreBaseball.com, he is Rich Dubroff, and we are very happy to have him back on the show. Rich, good morning to you. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing really well. Orioles are playing some exciting, good baseball right now, so we're pretty happy with that. And at the forefront of that last night was Dean Kramer, who looks the best we've ever seen him in an Orioles uniform. He goes six shutout innings after five-inning, one-run outing the previous outing. He's throwing strikes. He's pitching with confidence. What have you seen from Dean Kramer that's turned around his season? Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I think you. I think you described it. He is pitching with confidence, and the and the walks aren't there. Right, and that's really good. This is the first time uh, I saw him. Uh, you know, I, I missed the first. Uh, you know, I missed his first two games, and I think that uh, you know he, he was really really impressive last night. Uh, helped out a lot by. Uh, by good throws there in the sixth inning, Rutschman, uh, you know, uh, 
Rutschman's uh, uh, pro, and then Santander's. So he uh, he basically had a three up, three down inning, even though he gave up uh, two hits. So he was really helped out there. And you know they got one they got one run, and uh, it was a good win for him. Uh, you mentioned Adley. He's gotten his back going. He's turning into a team leader right before our eyes. Was it just a matter of him slowing things down and catching his breath? Well, I, I think that it was obvious that the bigger adjustment for him was going to be offensive rather than right. defensive because his defense was uh, was major league uh, all the way. You know, you know. I mean, I remember seeing him last year and, and thinking how impressive his uh, his defense was then. Uh, down at Bowie, and uh, I, I think that you know his defense was was good to start. And, uh, you know he, he's facing the types of pitchers that he's never seen before, mm-hmm. so that's uh, you know and that and that's difficult. But he's he he's catching his breath, and uh, things are uh, you know things are turning around. He's really helped out. You know he's helped out the team defense. He's helped out the lineup. You know because for a while there. You know, once he got to the second half of the lineup, it, it didn't look uh, terribly, uh, you know, terribly potent. But now it uh, it, it looks much better. Right. So I think things are, uh, you know, I, I think he's really helped the, uh, you know, helped the club in the few weeks he's been here. Now the team is twenty three and twenty three over their last forty six games. That's five hundred ball over more than a quarter of the season stretch. How important is it is it to this rebuild? They've taken such a leap for the time being from last year's record. Well, I think it's important because if you look at the players on the field, you know some of these guys have been there now a few years. Mm-hmm. You know Mullins, Mullins and Hayes and, and Mountcastle, uh, and some of the pitchers have. Uh, you know, like like Kramer and Aiken have uh, you know have shown improvement, and that's really you know, and that's really good. Uh, and what's impressive is they played well despite not having their top two pitchers. I mean, if you said at the beginning of the year that well, you know, John Means is going to be gone after two starts, mm-hmm. and Grayson Rodriguez isn't going to be able to to pitch for them, you know, maybe at all. Or maybe only at the end of the season, and, to, and for them to have this record is uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And when you look at it, really, the, the the lineup has been playing really good baseball since the beginning of May. The bullpen's been good all year. It really comes down to the starting pitching. Uh, we just saw Bruce Zimmerman; he struggled mightily over the last six starts, nine seven nine ERA and thirty three thirty three runs allowed in thirty and a third innings. Michael Ballman has been recalled to take his roster spot. D.L. Hall had 11 strikeouts on 89 pitches, both season highs in his last outing. You speculated in an article for BaltimoreBaseball.com that he would be the most deserving of a call-up and that if he pitched every fifth day the rest of the season with a five-inning limit, he'd be at 65 to 70 major league innings and a little over 100 for the season. How likely is it that D.L. Hall takes Bruce Zimmerman's spot in the rotation as early as Tuesday? I think that's going to happen. I think that you know, Hall. It's it's logical. Uh, you know, if they wanna, if, if they they have an innings limit for him, they uh, you know they should use as many of those innings as they can mm-hmm. in the major leagues. And the Orioles have a need, and there's really no no other logical uh, contender right now. If you look at AAA, um, you know Spencer Watkins is there, uh, but he uh, you know he's been you know he's been limited in innings and, and wasn't 
all that effective recently when he was uh, he was with the Orioles. Uh, you have Cody Sedlock, you have Kevin Smith, uh, and they haven't been really um, stretched out. You have uh, you know you have Denji Reyes, but he hasn't really been uh, been stretched out that much. And uh, I don't see. Uh, I, I guess they could try Austin Voss, mm-hmm. but. I, I think it's pretty. Uh, I think it's pretty likely that uh, DL Hall's the uh, DL Hall's the guy, and I think that would be. Uh, you know, I think that would be a good thing for him. Now, how much Grayson Rodriguez? He he strained the oblique, and it was likely his last the lat. start. Uh, that was the, the, the lat. I'm sorry, the lat. He strained his lat, and it was likely his last start at AAA before getting his major league call. How much of that do you think plays, if any, plays into the, what the, how they're going to handle DL Hall? Well, there, Hall was always going to be a special case because Hall, uh, you know, Hall only threw what thirty-one and uh, thirty-one and a third innings last year. Yeah, thirty-one and two-thirds innings last year. So Hall was always going to be limited, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, Rodriguez's absence creates a creates a hole, but. You know, Hall was going to be here. Let, let's say you mean. Let's say if Rodriguez was here, would uh, you know? Would they still be calling up Hall right now? I don't know, uh, but you know, I, I think that it's important to to give Hall, you know, the major league exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, Rodriguez is going to get limited at best uh, major league exposure this year, and and not you know maybe not much at all. Uh, but what's disturbing about Rodriguez is that, you know, he'll be on a limited uh, innings count for next year. Yeah. Because, which is you know, because he won't, you know, he won't have finished, you know, the whole year, even though, you know, last year he did what, 110, I guess it was about 110 innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, maybe he could do that in the, in the big leagues next year, but that's still, you know, that that's still pretty uh you know pretty conservative that you you know that he'd be doing four or five inning starts and you know they they I know they're very cons- you know I know they're very conservative with that uh but you know uh, and and things are getting you know things are getting better for them but they they are being very very careful with these guys and you know they want they want to see Hall Hall is now the best pitching prospect that's not here who's avail you know who's available. Right. And there aren't any great, you know, pitching prospects beyond Hall right now, which is a little, you know, which is a little dis- uh, a little troubling. Yeah, it it is. I was looking at it last night and after DL Hall there's nobody that you can really say is deserving of getting a call. Now they they have some guys in the lower levels that are good, but they're not going to be here for a couple of years and that, that it's how light, what does that do for the Orioles as far as their off-season plans when it comes to pitching? Because they don't have a lot of the reserves, like, like we just said. Well, you know they may be active. They may be active in the free agent market. Mm-hmm. You know they have Jordan. You know they have Jordan Lyles, who's turned out to be. You know, even though he's, uh, you know, his ERA is in the five range, uh, he's turned out to be an important innings eater. Right. Uh, but I think what what they may have to do is at the trading deadline this year, uh, you know, maybe look for, for, uh, you know, pitchers who are major league ready or nearly major league ready. 
right? Uh, because they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to have more guys, you know, because some of the guys, you know, haven't panned out. Zach Lothar, uh, you know, they had hoped could be, uh, you know, could be a pitcher who, uh, you know, helped them. And now, you know, he was designated for assignment this this week after having a 10 ERA at AAA. Uh, Alexander Wells has been hurt. Uh, they'd like to give. They'd like to see some of him, but it's still going to be a, a while until Wells is, uh, you know, Wells is ready to pitch. Right. Uh, and they signed Matt Harvey, who's finishing up his suspension. Uh, but you know, Matt Harvey, you know, was an innings eater last year, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so there's there are not a lot of great, uh, you know, there are not a lot of great alternatives, and they're going to have to hope that everybody. Everybody stays healthy, and you know they they'd like to see Zimmerman work out his uh, his his issues at uh, at AAA because you know in the first six starts he was really good this year, mm-hmm. and I thought that well he was going to be maybe you know their second you know their second best pitcher. Fortunately, Tyler Wells has been much much better than uh, than expected. Any concerns about the low strikeout totals for Tyler Wells? No, no. Okay, fair enough. And now to now, you know. Uh, I think, I think, you know, announced now, you know, Greg Maddox, uh, did okay. That's uh, true. Uh, p- uh, pitching. So no, I, I don't worry. I don't worry about that. I mean, I, I notice, you know, I look at their minor league boxes every night and I notice that there are a lot of guys who, uh, who strike out a lot, you know, a lot of hitters and that, and that's good. But if you can be economical with your pitches, uh, and you get, you know, soft, con- we, we contact early in the count, then you know it's just as good as a strikeout. I'll tell you, I look at the minor league box scores every night, also, uh, Rich, and it's pretty exciting looking at Triple A's box scores the last couple of weeks. Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westbrook—they're tearing it up in their first two weeks of Triple A. How likely is it that we see one or both of them at some point this season, if this continues? And are we looking at the starting left side of the Orioles infield on opening day in 2023? Maybe. Um, you know, I don't know. I, it was funny. I thought I was a little surprised that they moved them that aggressively this year. Mm-hmm. But also they have, you know, they had guys at Aberdeen and Bowie that they wanted to, you know, that they wanted to take a look at. Like uh, Cesar uh, Prieto mm-hmm. uh, moved up from Aberdeen and Bowie when uh, when this call, when uh, Henderson and, and Westberg moved up. So, uh, you know, at first, I would have thought, no, there is very little chance that they'd play at the end of the year. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe part of one of the reasons if they don't bring them up would be that they'd want to try and save forty-man spots for other, uh, you know, for other prospects. That's true. That's a great. Point. But I haven't really, uh, you know, I haven't really dug into, you know, who all the, uh, you know, who all the contenders are for those forty-man spots. But I think that the, you know, the organization is getting. Uh, you know, is getting deeper. It's not as deep, obviously, as they want it to be because of, uh, you know, because of pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's getting much deeper in the infield and the outfield. Now, you mentioned Cesar Prieto, and he actually did get to spend about a week or two playing alongside Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson at Bowie. 0 for 6 last night, but he was 10 for 23 in his previous five games. He was batting 298 heading into last night's game, now down to 278. And this is all after hitting 340 at Aberdeen. The MO on this guy when the Orioles signed him in the international signing period 
was that he hits. He's just a hitter. He doesn't strike out a ton. He gets on base. How far behind Westberg and Henderson is he from getting to Triple A? Is this a move that you could see happening by the end of the year? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think that that certainly could uh, that certainly could happen, especially how they move guys around. Mm-hmm. You know, from position to uh, you know from position to position. Uh, but I mean, I saw him a little bit in spring training. I, I you know, I've only been to one minor league game this year mm-hmm. uh, at Bowie. So I, you know, I haven't seen him play, uh, other than in, uh, you know, other than in spring training, but I was, you know, I was impressed with how he moved and he seemed to, you know, he seemed to have a live bat. So I think he's another, uh, he's another guy that, uh, you know, that could be a contender. And then they have, uh, Connor Norby, whose uh, bat has yeah. been a little, a little slow in getting started. Uh, but, uh, you know, still at, you know, still at Aberdeen. But yeah, there are a lot of you know a lot of contenders, and they're you know, in, in all my time watching the Orioles, uh, this is the you know, these this is the deepest farm system that I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly been fun to watch. And Heston Kersad's hitting the field and batting three thirteen through his first five games. Power not there just yet, but uh, that I think that's going to come. It's really fun to to see what's going on in the minor league level and with Prieto. Uh, with he, with Henderson, with Westberg, I think that all three of these guys could be seeing time at the big league level in 2023. So, Rich, my question for you is, what does that mean for Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias? Arias hasn't proven that he can stay on the field. Mateo's defense and speed have been elite, but the bat has been subpar. What's their future with the Orioles beyond this season? Yeah, um, I would think that I would think that they would both be with you. My guess is that they'd both be with the Orioles uh, in spring training next year. Uh, you know, Mateo is a you know, Mateo looks to be a a really great uh, defensive shortstop. The bat isn't you know the bat isn't there, uh, and he was also considered a utility player. But he you know uh, he he could be a useful big leaguer. The thing about Urias is a utility guy. It looks like, and yes, he's had some. He's had some issues, but you know you always need one utility guy. Right. Uh, you know the Orioles picked up. Uh, uh, you know they picked up a, a player this week, Jonathan Arruyes. Yeah. Arauz, I want to say from Arauz. Okay, I think you're right. Okay, but and you know readers ask me, well, why did they pick him up? They got all these other guys, and actually, and actually they don't. You know. Right. A good utility guy, a trustworthy utility player, uh, is harder to find than you think. You know, the Orioles had Ryan Flaherty, uh, and, and then they had Jace Flaherty, and they had Jace Peterson. Um, but, you know, it's hard to find a trustworthy utility player. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, one or two of those guys around. Because, well, they had, there's Ryland Bannon in the minor leagues. But he doesn't play shortstop. He's mostly a third baseman, plays a little second. Richie Martin, who's mostly a shortstop, but he's played second, but he's not, you know, a third baseman, little outfield, but he's not necessarily a true utility guy. But you want your utility infielder, you want to be able to play shortstop. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, a backup outfielder like Ryan McKenna. He's valuable because he can play center field. Mm-hmm. You know, center field's the most important position uh, in, uh, you know, in the outfield generally. Although you could argue 
with the change in dimensions this year that left field may be um, harder to play. But, you know, you want your utility outfielder, your backup outfielder, to be able to play center. And you want your utility infielder to be able to to play shortstop. Because if they can play shortstop, they can likely play second or third. And with Jorge Mateo, you have a super utility guy because he can play the outfield, he can play the infield, he can play shortstop, he can play center, and he can pinch run and he's stupid fast. So uh, that's a guy who I think could be around. I'm not so sure about Arias. But we will see. Time will tell. Rich, I know that you have limited time today, so we really appreciate you taking a few minutes for us. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you down the line, all right? All right. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. And that was Rich Dubrow from BaltimoreBaseball.com. You can find all of his writing, along with Peter Schmuck, who is back writing for the Bal- writing for mm-hmm. BaltimoreBaseball.com. You can find that all there. I believe Ty Karpovich still covers some minor leagues for them as well. Great content over there. And I feel like Rich and I are on the same page with D.L. Hall. We just got to get you on the page with us too, Zach. Yeah, I, I maybe feel a little bit more conservatively about what I see in, well, in the long term, but I, I think you guys, I mean, I, you make great points. I, I always just, and I've said this a million times, and people are probably tired of hearing me say it, but generally the guys who have better stuff and little command are in the bullpen. So that's just kind of where I land with him. And I, I, I just want to see him improve that efficiency. And I think if he does, he can definitely be a star. Well, and, and I'll tell you, and I said this last week on this show, if they bring him up to take to replace a pitcher like a Bruce Zimmerman, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. If they leave him down and they say, look, we want to see you dominate for five, six, yep. seven starts in a row, I'm cool with that too. Yeah. If they don't bring him up, will I be disappointed? Sure, but that's just because I want to watch the guy pitch at the <laughs> sure, big league sure, level. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to be disappointed because I think he belongs here. I'm going to be disappointed because yeah. I want to watch him pitch. No, I mean, me too. If he Look, if he comes up on Tuesday, I will make a concerted effort to watch that because yeah. I really want to see this guy pitch. And frankly, I actually he's one of the few Orioles top prospects that I haven't seen pitch live. So I, I'd love to actually see him um, get out there. I've seen plenty of video and all that, but it's definitely a different dynamic when you're out there live and, and actually seeing them. Um, you know, you, you I, I guess you focus a little more when you're out there live. So I, I'm looking forward to it, and I, I I might even make it down to the ballpark. If are they at home on Tuesday, the Orioles would that be a home start for Hall? Uh, yeah, they're they're facing the the Nationals. Okay, so yeah, I might I might make a make a trip yeah, down there you, to see you, that. You could have him pitch against you. You could have him pitch against a really bad baseball team. Yeah. to get his feet under him. That's actually a good point. I didn't think about that, but I don't know what their schedule looks like. I know the Orioles. I mean, the, the Orioles faced one of the hardest schedules in baseball uh, for you know, really the past few months, and um, now they're I think getting into a stretch where the the schedule maybe evens out a little bit more. It's not as difficult, so um, maybe some some debuts against bad teams like the Washington Nationals would make sense. I mean, th- I think that's a it's a good point. So I realized that I only wrote two breaks into uh, my mm. notes, and we're supposed to have three. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take our second break of the day. Today's show has brought is brought to you by the. Here we go. There's some tough names in here. Oh, today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now, and it's our very first salute to coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his fifteenth fifth. Season in Baltimore and inside tributes to Navy football coach Ken uh, Niumatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Coringi, Maryland soccer coach. Oh my gosh, I should have really tried this. Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sarovsky and field hockey coach Missy Maharg. Mount Saint. Oh my goodness, Mount Saint Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy and poly basketball coach Kendall. 
piece. We also uh, we also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl. The athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted offer insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always... Find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. We'll be back after this on The Bat Around. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charm City match, July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy our award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings. Or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and Poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Stan the Fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the Costas Inn and everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Hey, Birdland families, this Father's Day, join the O's in celebrating Dad at the Yard as they take on the Tampa Bay Rays Sunday, June 19th at 1.35. Go above and beyond by treating Dad to a fun-filled day with the entire family. Make sure to get to the ballpark early because the first 10,000 fans ages 15 and over will receive an Orioles golf visor. Dad's Day done right this year with the O's. Don't wait until the last minute when planning Father's Day. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com tickets.
right, welcome back to the bat around. I kind of butchered that live read, so real quick, I just want to remind you again to go pick up the latest edition of the Press Box, which is our very first Salute to Coaches issue, where we recognize John Harbaugh on the cover, and tribute to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karimzi, Maryland soccer coach Sasha Swarovski, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe pa- basketball coach Pete, Pat Clatchy, I struggle with Pat and Pete, mm, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace, and we also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl. Find that in over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and check out PressBoxOnline.com for the latest online edition. It is time for, you know what? I need you to vamp real quick. Okay. I need you to talk about DL Hall a little bit more for me. Sure. Because I forgot to finish one score. Okay. Or I can just do mine first. I mean, I can just run down the uh, the Saturday. That scores. doesn't make any sense. Okay. Tell me, tell me why you think DL Hall is not going to be here on Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, I, I do think you know we talk about pitch efficiency. We talk about uh, DL Hall pitching more, frankly, more innings and, and just getting enough innings under his belt to be able to, I guess, be a starter in the major leagues for a prolonged period of time. And I, I think we both know that at some point DL Hall is going to be shut down, right? Like, we know there will be an inning limit for him. Like you mentioned, it could be maybe 15 more than what he's done previously. You look at 110, uh, maybe he gets to 115. So it's really the question now. You look at that and the workload questions. The question becomes, um, do the Orioles want D.L. Hall to get the remaining innings in the majors, or do they want him to start dominating a AAA? And I think you made a good point. When he talked about Dio Hall dominating at AAA. Because he's been good, but he hasn't... I wouldn't say he's been dominant. You look at a guy who's dominant, that's a guy who's going out there like Grayson Rodriguez did. And he's giving you seven innings, eight innings. Um, not that Grayson did that, but you get my point. And, you know, you're, you're giving up two hits, striking out ten. And you're, you're just basically doing this over and over. And it's a repetitive cycle of going out there and dominating every night. And I don't think that D.L. Hall has necessarily done that this year. Um, a lot of his outings have been quite short. You've seen a lot of five-inning outings and some, some of the fours as well, um, which is concerning to me. And I think that, again, speaks to the lack of pitch, pitch efficiency that he's shown um, frankly, over his entire minor league career. And as I said to Stan earlier, there's been a lot of people, especially in the media, that have, have really criticized him and said, hey, you don't have a lot of command, you might not be a starter. And he's fought back against that and, and said this year he's going to come out and prove that he has that command. And I, I just don't necessarily know if he's proved that to the Orioles yet. And maybe the Orioles are a team that says, okay, you know, we, we want you to get these starts in the major leagues. It's more important for you to be up here than down at AAA. And, and you're, you're ready being at the age you are maybe he improves his pitch efficiency at the majors, maybe. But I don't know if he's done enough yet. Well, and hopefully, if he... Uh, I was... Um, did you say something about him potentially starting against a really bad team? I did not, no. Yeah, if he were to start on Tuesday, it would be against a Washington Nationals team that has legitimately the second-fewest wins in baseball. Right. 23, as opposed to the um, Kansas City Royals, 21. Mm-hmm. 22 now, actually. But on top of that, they have the most losses in baseball. It's the worst team in baseball. Why not let him get uh, his first start at home against a really bad baseball team? They certainly could. I mean, that could be the plan. And and I do want to talk a little bit more about D.L. Hall because I do have a couple of questions for you about him regarding... Sure, we'll jump in a moment. ...regarding relieving and starting and whatnot and how he feels about that. But first, it's time for the payoff pitch around 
the league. <laughs> Dean Kramer tossed six shutout innings, and Adley Rutschman collected two hits, and the lone RBIs, the Orioles blanked the Rays one to nothing. Bryce Harper reached base four times, while Nick Castellanos doubled twice and drove in two to lead the Phillies over the Nationals five to three in game one of a doubleheader. In the nightcap, Matt Veerling homered twice for the Phillies, and Bryce Harper had a pinch hit. Game-tying two-run double in the eighth inning, leading the Phillies to an 8-7 to victory in 10 innings. Josh Bell homered twice for the Nationals in the loss, while Juan Soto went 0-8 in the doubleheader to drop his batting average to 216. It was the Nationals' seventh straight loss, dropping them to an NL worst, 23-45. and Their 23 losses are worse than all but the Kansas City Royals, and their 45 losses are the most in the majors. Ah. <sighs> Keegan Thompson tossed six innings of shutout ball while striking out nine, and Chris Morrell drove in the lone run on the sack fly in the eighth as the Cubs snapped their 10-game losing streak and Atlanta's 14-game winning streak with a 1-0 win over the Braves. Talk about a reverse lock. Hunter Renfro hom- homered and drove in three as Brewers squeaked past the Reds 5-4. Carlos Rodon tossed eight shutout innings with eight Ks and solo home runs from Luis Gonzalez and Jock Peterson was all the run support needed as the Giants shut out the Pirates 2-0. In a matchup of AL East powerhouses, the Yankees proved to be the class of the division. Using eight-run fifth inning, fueled by home runs from Giancarlo Stanton and DJ LeMay, he won a grand slam from Anthony Rizzo to crush Toronto 12-3. In a matchup of former teammates, Michael Waka outdueled Adam Wainwright, allowing one run in five in the third innings before Boston survived a late four-run ninth-inning rally to outlast the Cardinals 6-5. The Tigers' season-long offensive woes continue to save recorded just five hits, only one for extra bases against John Gray and the Rangers in the 7-0 loss. Gray tossed seven innings in the victory. Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso each homered and drove in for the latter on a grand slam as the Mets took care of business against the Marlins 10-4. Speaking of taking care of business, the Astros, the Astros scored 13 runs on 12 hits, including five home runs to smash the White Sox 13-3. Michael Brantley drove in four in the victory. C.J. Crone hit two home runs, including a 486-footer, and drove in five as the Rockies crushed the Padres 10-4. Salvador Perez homered, doubled, and drove in two as the Royals came out on top of the A's 5-1 in the battle of the AL's two worst teams. Judd Luplau... Uh, Lup- Luplau or Luplau? I think Luplau. Jordan Luplau homered twice and drove in three to back six innings. A two-run ball for Madison Bumgarner as Arizona stifled the Twins 7-2. Zach Plesak allowed one run over six innings while Clayton Kershaw allowed one run over five innings. But former Oriole Evan Phillips allowed the game-winning run to score in the 10th mm-hmm. inning on a sack fly from Maryland native Richie Palacios as the Guardians took down the Dodgers 2-1. And finally... Robbie Ray struck out 10 over 7 innings of one-run ball, and Ty France drove in 3 to carry the Mariners over the sinking Angels 8-1. to one. All right, what's on tap for today? Well, we got a lot of games, a lot of games ready to go. Uh, the Braves and the Cubs, Kyle Wright, the right-hander, against Justin Steele, the lefty, 220 at Wrigley Field. Jamison Tyon having a really good season against Alec Manoa, who's probably been the best pitcher in baseball to this point. Yankees and Jays, 307 at the Rogers Center. Giants at Padres, Alex Wood, Jose Quintana, two lefties going head-to-head, 405. Quintana. Quintana at PNC Park, 405. Let's go have some tortillas. <laughs> Jeffrey Springs, who dominated the Baltimore Orioles last time he faced them, pitches again today for the Rays against the right-hander Kyle, or against the Orioles, against the right-hander Kyle Bradish, 405. Five at Camden Yards. Brad Keller versus Cole Irvin. Kansas City Royals versus the Oakland Athletics at the O.co 407 this afternoon. The Angels play game one of a doubleheader today. Patrick Sandoval versus Chris Flexen. The Angels looking to get back on track 30 and 36 and just lost Rendon for the year against the Mariners 410 at T Mobile Park. Taylor Hearn versus Ronnie Garcia as the Rangers take on the Tigers 410 at Comerica Park. 
The White Sox and Johnny Cueto, the veteran, will take on the very much veteran Justin Verlander as the Astros are at home against the 30-32 and 32 White Sox, 410 at Minute Maid Park. Justin Verlander, by the way, 194 ERA. He hasn't really gotten a lot of uh, media. He is one of the favorites for Cy Young yeah, at this he, point in the season. He's pitching incredibly. It's, it's, it's he and Alec Manoa, basically. He's pitching incredibly. Uh, the Mets and the Marlins at City Field, 410. Braxton Garrett versus Taiwan Walker, another really good pitcher in the NL this year. Walker pitching to a 308 ERA. Jason Alexander pitches for the Brewers against Graham Ashcraft of the Cincinnati Reds. Reds are 23 and 41, one of the worst records in baseball. They're looking to get back on track at 410 at Great American Ballpark. 435, the Phillies and the Nats, Aaron Nola and the young ace Josiah Gray for the Nats at Nats Park. Guardians, they've won 14 of their last 17. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. They're 33 and 27 against the Dodgers, 39 and 24. Cal Quantrill versus Julio Urias, 715 at Dodger Stadium. The Cardinals, 37 and 20. 29 Cardinals, but Dakota Hudson on the mound against Cutter Crawford of the Boston Red Sox, 7-15 at the legendary Fenway Park. Padres at Rockies, Nick Martinez versus German Marquez, 9-10, or Herman Marquez, I should say, 9-10 at Coors Field. Angels and Mariners, game two of that doubleheader, Jose Suarez versus our favorite pitcher, to be determined, 10-10 at T-Mobile Park. And then the final game of the night, Twins and D-backs. Dylan Bunny, the former Oriole, takes on Luke Weaver, the young starter for the D-backs. 10-10 there at Chase Field. That's our games. All right. Good stuff. Suarez. Yeah, I, I, I really butchered Herman Marquez calling him. I, I apologize to Herman Marquez. I, I'm, more, I, I'm more okay with that than Jose Quintana. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Did you take foreign language in high school? I did. I took Spanish. <laughs> I took you Spanish. took Spanish, and you still called him <laughs> Queen Tana. Yeah, you know what? Um, Thank God you didn't do the press box live oof. read. God, I, you should have seen my Spanish GPA. It was excellent. I thought I butchered. I don't, there's no way. You know what? It, well, it was. I promise you. Uh, you know, I, I guess just because you can't say the word doesn't mean you can't spell the word and don't know the meaning. Nah, that's it. That's it. You know, I, I, was, a, uh, I was a Spanish extraordinaire in my three years of doing it, and then I quit. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did four years, and I never mm. considered myself an extraordinaire. But I can. Oh, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, I probably couldn't like give you. I could probably give you about like ten sentences in Spanish now. So I'm, uh, you know, it's kind of. You know, it's been been a few years. It's been four years. So. Donde está el cuarto de baño? Where's the bathroom? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey. That was like seven words. Yeah. See, we <laughs> we got a few left up in here. Anyway, moving on. Six words. Six words. Six words. Anywho, um. Evan Phillips took that loss last night. It's a hard luck loss, it's right? Too, it's too bad. It, it, it was a hard luck loss because they started with a runner on second base. The guy got over the third base with one out, and then it was a sack fly. They Truly the, hate the, to see it. The, the Guardians won that game 2-1, to one, and both runs scored on sacrifice flies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Evan Phillips is 1-3 with a 2-10 ERA in 25 is games. Is he really? Wow. wow. For, the, for, the, for the Dodgers. Wow. 2-10 yeah, ERA. Yeah, I mean, he's always had good stuff. I guess I can say that about him. Um he, the slider was always good. He didn't pitch poorly for two teams last year. He had an ERA in the threes, mm. and now this year, two ten ERA yeah. in twenty five games, twenty just about twenty six innings yeah. with the Dodgers. Like, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day that there's just such a high number of former Orioles that have gone on to other places and had such a a crazy amount of success. And I think we even mentioned it on the show last week that it's just. It's it's probably not going to be a problem of the new regime, or at least we hope. I mean, there, sure, there will be guys that go elsewhere and have success, but it's not going to be the, I guess, the the rapid and uh, repetitive 
problem it's been well, for them in the, in the past ten years. I'll never, so. I'll never forget Rich Hill sucking for one season, yeah. and it was the season yeah. he pitched in Baltimore. And then Wade Miley sucking for yeah. one season, and it was the season that he pitched in Baltimore. Yep. Um, Wade Miley has been excellent yeah. over the past three years or so. Yeah, he, I mean, he's uh, been excellent. He, he's hurt right now, is he? Uh, I I haven't heard much about him, so uh, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, I, I'm gonna I, agree I, with you. I, he's got he's got to be hurt because. There is a point where I was talking about him a lot in these uh, in these around the leagues, and I haven't seen his name. Pop uh, yeah, up. I, don't, I don't think he's. I, I would guess he's he was not pitching major. well at a point this. He's year. He's on the 15 day injured list. Yeah, but yeah, he is. He just started on June 10th. Okay, and he's uh, got a 2.84 ERA. 2.84 ERA. So, yeah. Yep, he's been good again. Just the one year that he sucked I mean, was with the Orioles. He was absolutely dominant in 2019, won 14 games. Well, I shouldn't say absolutely dominant, but he still put up a 3.90 ERA, um, 14 game winner for Houston. I mean, obviously they were they were in the World Series that year, so there's obviously a bit of a you know a bit of of help that. It, the, the guys helping out get wins is what I'm trying they, to say. They won in the World Series that year. I, oh yeah, the Cardinals wasn't it? The Cardinals? No, it was, no. The, it was Nationals and Astros in in 2019, I believe. I believe. Oh right, because the Cardinals beat the. The Cardinals beat. The I don't remember when the Cardinals were in the. That, that was I back can, in. You like know, 20- I, I keep thinking of the Astros. I kept, for some reason, I was thinking of the Astros okay. in the National League team. It was the Astros in the National League. I, I believe right, so. Right. right. Yeah. You're right because the Cardinals beat the Braves, and then the the Nationals beat the Dodgers, and somebody beat the Dodgers. Somebody beat the Braves, and the Nationals and Cardinals faced off in the. Um, so the the Astros beat the Dodgers in 17. I believe that's right. When but the I'm, Astros I'm talking won. about okay. in, in the National League playoffs in 2019. Oh, oh, yeah. The Nationals. Beat the Cardinals to get yes, to the World Series. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. For some reason, Astros were a National League team forever. Yeah. And for, every now and again, my mind slips back to that. It was funny. I, I was reading something the other day. Someone put out a tweet and they said, Who is the most boring, uh, good baseball team? Like year, year after year. And someone was like, Oh, it's, it's the Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals are the most boring, good baseball team. Like, there's they- <laughs> nothing boring and about I, Paul Goldschmidt. That's what I was about to say. Like, and are they, why, I would not be bored as a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. Like they, this, this team is, Tyler, is fun. Tyler O'Neill is having a bad year, but that dude put up nearly a seven WAR last yeah. year. Hit over thirty home runs. He'll get it going. Yeah. He's, a, he's a he's a physical freak of nature. Um, Harrison Bader's having a nice bounce back yeah. season. Dylan Carlson's a good player. Paul Goldschmidt. I saw a stat that in his last fifty games going into yesterday, he was hitting like three eighty eight with sixteen home runs, mm-hmm. and in his last forty games, was hitting over four hundred. Wow. They, wow! Paul Goldschmidt's a freak. Yeah, and I, so uh, I, I love Paul. When, when he started, he fell off for like a season. When I say when, mm-hmm. when I say he fell off, he hit like two sixty. Yeah, he yeah. It was his first and, season and, in in uh, St. Louis. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the hell happened to Paul Goldschmidt? And yeah. It's like, oh, nothing happened to him. He hit over three hundred in twenty twenty. Yeah, he hit close to three hundred last year, and he's just tearing the. Car. He's going to be the starting first, but he, he's uh, he's got to be the front runner for MVP. He and Manny Machado. Yeah, and, and Pete Alonso's been tearing the cover off the ball too. He's yeah. been really good. Um, I think for whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe this is because I pay attention to two teams that are in the American League and not necessarily as much the National League, but I never feel like Paul Goldschmidt gets a lot of. He's attention. never gotten a lot of love. Yeah, he he never does. Like I, he, this guy is is having really one of the best seasons in baseball, and I haven't if he heard was much a about it at all. People would be gushing. Well, over that's him. he and plays that, first right. base. And, but I feel like Pete Alonso. Of, of course, he's in New York, and Pete Alonso is going to get that attention because he plays in the in the, the biggest city in the in the country. But I, you know, I still think Paul Goldschmidt deserves a little more credit than he's getting. I mean, he's putting together an unbelievable season in St. Louis. He's having a, a hell, arguably his best season ever. Yeah, he is, and ever. that's and the, he had some great seasons. And he's in like thirty five years old. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy. It's amazing. Um. So let's get to the Orioles banter, and this is called O's Around the Dime. We're going to look at the Orioles by position here. We're going to discuss the current status, the future, what the future means for some current roster guys. Yep. And we're going to start 
at the easiest of positions, and that's catcher Adley Rutschman. He's looking like the bat. No way, you don't say. The bats really come <laughs> alive. The defense has been really good. The the the, the errant throws to second base are a little cause for concern for me. But when I say cause yeah. for concern, they make me raise an eyebrow. But I I, I think a few of them Rugnet Odor should have. Oh, uh, well, well, there was one of them that was a perfect throw on a short yeah. hop, and Chris Owings just he completely missed. Uh, Owings his did it too. Yeah. Um. So th- they're set at catcher, first base. Ryan Mountcastle, through the first month or so of the season, had an expected uh, expected batting average of like three twenty one, and he yeah. was in two fifty. Yep. That bat is on fire. Right. He's hitting two seventy now. Team leading twelve home runs. Yeah. He seems like he's doubling and homering every game these days. Hey, right. They're, they're they're set at first base. And you look at his baseball savant page. He's maxed out in a lot of those categories. One of the only uh, ones that he's not doing so well in is, is chase rate. But that should n- not surprise anyone. That's yeah. what, that's what he does. But and, he but he's hitting the ball hard. He he's he was a triple the triple A MVP at uh, while being I think the youngest player in the yeah. league. I uh, back in twenty nineteen, yeah, 20, yeah. twenty nineteen, Triple A, international league uh, MVP. The guy's bat is special. He, I, I will he's got say crazy power. Oh, I totally agree. I will say first base is a very volatile position, um, and I think that yeah, it's hard to say that maybe when they win the world, you know, their next World Series or their next competitive place, that Mountcastle still could be the guy because I feel like that position just changes well, so often. Here, but I, I think he will be. Here, here's the thing. There's he's not blocking anybody no, no, in the system right no. now, right? Um, now look, could they go out and sign a free agent first baseman this offseason? Theoretically, or next offseason sure. Or, or, you know what I mean, yeah. and, and put them there. Yeah, they they, they could do that, and mm-hmm. then Mountcastle moves to DH. But with either, Mancini wh- gone, sure. Wh- yeah. Whether it's first base or DH, Mountcastle is going to be in the heart of your lineup for several yeah. years to come. Yeah, right. Go over the second base, and it's been roofed. I've been. Disappointed that we aren't seeing more Richie Martin. I never thought I'd say that. I but he, somehow he, agree. <laughs> he was he was hitting well at AAA over over two ninety. He had a three hit game on last Saturday last Saturday or Sunday. Uh, last it, Sunday it, it was, was three, on Sunday. Yeah, three hit game last Sunday, including two triples. And he's played twice since then. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, you look at Ruth Neto Door. I think he's a trade chip at best. The bat's really slowed down, although yeah. he does lead the team in triples, which confuses me considering he has a 35 speed in MLB the show. Right, but yeah. he leads. He leads, and that triple to left center field the other night was a stand up triple. Right, and he got in there pretty quick. Yeah, it's, yeah. So I don't know. So he has no future in no. Baltimore. He he's going to be gone. I think Cesar Prieto could spend the bulk of the time at second base. Sure, start as early as next year. Yeah. Um, at shortstop, Jorge Mateo, I think that it, when the Orioles are competitive, that's a utility fielder for them. He's going to yeah. find his way in the lineup three to five times a week. He's going to pinch run a lot. He's going to be a defensive replacement maybe. Um, but you look at what – and then you move over to third base, Tyler Nevin, Ramona Rios. Yeah. Um, you name it, they're not the guy. So um, I've actually – I want to say real quick before you move on from Mateo, I've actually thought about this a lot lately because you're taking a guy who you're playing every single day right now and then you're telling him that on the next competitive team you have to be a utility player. You're not telling him that. Well, you're but not telling him that. He's, but his, his, he's telling us that. He's te- well, he's telling us that, sure. But my point is, I guess, is that I feel like a guy like that who has the experience starting and, and might be the Orioles starting shortstop even next year, that it's a great possibility that he could be for a little bit until Gunnar Henderson or Jordan Westberg breaks up. Um, I... I just don't know if that guy will stick around in your roster in a demoted role, if that makes sense. I'm not sure what my reasoning is there. I just, for some reason, I don't know if that fits. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing that you have to worry about with Mateo and that you have to worry about with Arias. Mm-hmm. 
that they think they're starting guys. Exactly what I'm saying. And, yeah, and yeah. you can't. And if you're saying, well, but these guys, you can't. You're not going to go and be like, these guys are better than you. You're right. not going to say that to somebody. But it but, shows but, who who you start every day. Right. right. But right. And what these guys can do in the field, with what these guys can do with the bat, mm-hmm. is better than what Mateo can do with the bat. And then you look at the fact that Mateo. Leads the American League in defensive runs saved. And he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the game yep. because of how many balls he gets to. Right? But he still struggles yeah. on routine ground balls. No, you're and 100% he, and right. he still struggles on the backhand. Yeah. Right? For me, I look at I look at shortstop and third base, and I don't think there's any question that if they're not worried about service time, Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson are starting shortstop and third baseman on opening day next year. Yeah, outs above average is a largely range-based stat. And it, because you're you're basically saying how many outs can he get above the average player? And when you've got a guy who can run basically to any direction quicker than basically anybody else in baseball, he's going to make those outs and he's going to catch balls that some other guys can't catch because he has that range. And again, that all revolves around his his speed being the the defining tool for Jorge Mateo. I, I think he's a good defender. I just think in today's game too, um, and I, I think you can see this based on the way teams draft as of late. They don't draft glove first guys. You don't mm-hmm. draft a guy because he's a good defender. You draft a guy because he can hit generally over. I mean, that's why Jacob Barry is, is probably going to go in the top 10 picks is because he's Kay, a guy Kay, who can Kay hit. Kenny was a supplemental first round pick. He was. And he's well, he was even back then was way more known for his glove right. than his bat. He was, but the he also hit pretty well at Oregon State. I mean, he was a, he was a legitimate hitter and that's in the Pac-12 that he put up some pretty good numbers. I think he hit like 330, 340. He hit like 360. Um, yeah. Like he, but but that, was, that was the one season that he did it. Right, exactly. He wasn't that and, hitter and, before and, that year. Right, and and I don't think the Orioles looked at Caden Grenier and said, "Wow, his glove is the reason we're drafting him." They they wanted the complete package, obviously. So I'm saying, if if a team is prioritizing a tool, I think it's always going to be the bat. So I think that's where Jorge Mateo's tenure in Baltimore will come to a close. Is if the Orioles start, really not if, but when the Orioles start valuing bat over glove. Yeah, and you look at what Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg are doing. Uh, at the minor league level, right? And I'm, I have these numbers in here. Henderson last night went 3 for 4, 2 RBIs, 2 runs, a stolen base. He's slashing 344, 523, 594. That's an 1117 OPS, 2 doubles, 2 home runs, 7 RBIs, 11 walks to just the 5 strikeouts. Westberg last night, he went 2 for 5. Now, the three times he got out were all strikeouts. 2 runs, a triple. He's slashing 412. 429, 882 with a 13-11 OPS, three doubles, two triples, three home runs, nine RBIs. In their first taste of AAA, what what else do they? I'm not saying call them up tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? But they've proven in in now two weeks worth of games, yeah. they've proven that they can hit minor league, they can hit AAA pitching, that they're. They hit, they've hit the ground running there. That these are guys who are going to be here sooner rather than later, and will have a huge say in the direction of your of your ball club. Correct? Yeah, I mean, I I think we're starting to realize that Gunnar Henderson, especially even over Westberg, I, I know Westberg had a bit of a slower start this year, and I don't want to discount anything he's done so far in AAA, but I I do think the bat is significantly better it, with Gunnar Henderson than it is with yeah. Jordan Westberg, and I think your people are starting to see this that. Gunnar Henderson's not just a piece. He might be the piece. Gunnar mm-hmm. Henderson might be the best bat on this team in three years. And he's gonna, I, he's going to be the best player on this team. I, right. I, I think Gunnar Henderson's ceiling is 
astronomically high. And you look at what he's done in the minors, and basically everything's there to prove that. The guy walks, the guy hits for power, he hits for average, he gets on base. That's a and he he's played good enough defense and depending on where he ends up I think I think, Westberg, he looked, I think he's looked really good at third base he has looked really good and I think that's where the Orioles have kind of played him enough where I think that's that's kind of going to be a spot and Jordan Westberg has definitely seen more time up the middle um, than over at third so look if you have Westberg at short Gunnar Henderson at third you got Westberg who's a good balance of glove and bat and then you know uh, Gunnar Henderson who is an unbelievable bat and a good glove as well you're in really good shape I mean yeah. really good shape yeah it, it, it's He's Gunnar Henderson is nine months younger than the next youngest player in AAA. He didn't face. He hasn't faced a pitcher all year that he's been older than. Uh, Twenty years old, slashing three forty four, five twenty three, five ninety four with an eleven seventeen OPS at AAA. Yeah, he is a special yeah. talent, and that's the reason the Orioles drafted him in the second round. Right, and it's the reason that they gave him over slot money to forego his commitment to college because he is. Special, yeah, he's special. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be here before we know it, and and we're going to be able to watch this guy. We're going to be able to watch this guy for fifteen years in yeah. Baltimore. He's going to be one of those guys that they do not let get away. I think just based on age, that uh, Westbrook might make his debut first, and even before those guys, maybe you even see a cameo from Joey Ortiz at some point. Although he's been disappointing right, to right, say right. the least. If if somebody makes a debut this year, right. it's probably going to be Westbrook first. That would be my guess, but. Yeah. On opening day 2023, I'm willing to put a, a pretty large stake on the fact that I think they're both starting for the Orioles. I wouldn't doubt in 20, it. On opening day in 2023. And you're, and you're looking at a lineup there. And I know you're going to talk about the outfield in a second, but you're looking at a lineup that's very, very few holes in it at that yeah. point. I mean, very, very few. Yeah. And then let's get to the outfield, right? In left field, you've got Austin Hayes. I I, I still, and I get it, they, they, want, they put Austin Hayes in the most difficult part of the field to play, mm-hmm. wherever he goes. In Camden Yards, it's left field. Yeah. In Toronto and Kansas City, it was right field. Right, right. Um, Cedric Mullins' arm does not play. No, no, it doesn't. And, and and Stan said it. Fly balls to center field. Guys are tra- are tagging from first base. Mm-hmm. Base hits up the middle with a guy on second. Guys are scoring every time. Yep. I, I love Cedric Mullins. If he's going to stay on this team, he's got to move to left field. Yeah, he's got to move to left field, and you've got to put Hayes in center. And look, Mullins, that, like you just mentioned, Camden Yards now be, left field is the hardest part of the yard to play. Mm-hmm. And Mullins has more range than Hayes, and he's probably a better defensive outfielder than Hayes is. So putting him out there and moving Hayes' arm to center field, that works perfectly. I mean, I don't see any real uh, any real downside of that. Now, I know I was on uh, Hayes' uh, baseball savant page a few minutes ago, and his defensive numbers, outs above average, he's in the sixth percentile, which I was very surprised at. I think he passes the eye test. I think it's almost one of the, the cases where you can say that analytics or maybe a little over it's a little over analyzing what he's done because I think he's been fine out there I, I certainly don't see the issues that the the analytics show that are there um I think you put him in center field move Cedric to left he can cover that wall cover that area he'll be great out there yeah and how is he only in the sixth that percentile I, that uh, I don't know he doesn't he hasn't made any errors I'm gonna go back to it and he read catches everything hit to him he's got an elite arm he has had some bad throws this year I've seen him make a couple of throws where I was like that's not Austin Hayes 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it happens to everyone, I guess, right. even the best of them. Um, but I'm going to pull up his swamp page. And he's also only in the 14th percentile of outfielder jump. Um, so maybe that has something to do with it. But again, outs above average is largely range-based, so maybe that uh, has something to do with it. I'm going to pull up DRS real quick, and we'll, we'll analyze that while you're talking about Cedric. Sure. No, so C- Cedric, look, the, the, he's coming alive a little bit more recently. He had two stolen bases last night. Uh, he's having a, a really solid month of June, if, I'm, if I can... I hope I can quickly look him up here, but I know that in June in particular, he's having himself a very solid month. He had the base hit last night. He had the two runs, the two stolen bases, excuse me. Um, average up to 250. When you can say the fact that it was down to about 230 a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and then when I look at what he's done in June this season, he is hitting in June 295, 338. 443 with four stolen bases, a home run, six doubles, nine RBIs, and 18, uh, 10 runs scored. 18 for 61. He's having his best month. He's yeah. getting hotter with it with the temperature. Uh, Cedric Mullins is a guy, look, if, if the Marlins want to give you a uh, King's ransom in pitching prospects for Cedric Mullins, I'm listening. Um, you, but, can't, you can't say no. Right. But you can't. aside from that, this is a guy that should be playing left field and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, Cedric Mullins should not be playing center field. He should be playing in left field. Right. He should be playing left field for you every day, batting leadoff and stealing. I mean, he's got 15 stolen bases right now. Yeah. Uh, the power's not where it was last year, but I don't really care about that. Get on base, steal bases, and play good defense. That's what my leadoff hitter is supposed to do. Yeah. I don't care if he hits 30 home runs. I don't care if he hits 10 home runs. Get on base and steal bases and play good defense. That's all I care about. And then in right field, Anthony Santander... Oh, average. Eh. Yeah, he, he hits home runs. He walks more this year, but that that number's gone down over the last few weeks. He's a good defender in right field. He's got a good arm in right field. Mm-hmm. I don't hate Anthony Santander. I like Anthony Santander, but I, but when I look at what the Orioles have coming up through their system, there's not really a spot for him. And no. and, and I'd be much more willing. I'd be much more excited to watch Kyle Stowers play. Because I think I think we've seen peak Anthony Santander. Oh, I think right? we have as well. I, and, I think 2020 and, was the peak. Yeah, I think we've seen peak Anthony Santander. Kyle Stowers, I think, has has potential hit 270 with 35 home runs so at if, the big league level. I, I agree with you. I'm going to read off a few stats from the outfield. So uh, Austin Hayes, three plus three uh, defensive runs saved. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cedric Mullins at plus four. Santander, negative three. Okay. So uh, the D, I mean, that's why he gets taken out for Ryan McCann. I mean, we know he's the the weakest defender of the three, but that's another thing against Santander that maybe Stowers could do a little better. Uh, well, Stowers can play all three off field positions, and you watched him make that good really athlete. great catch uh, in Game Three of that series against yeah. Toronto. He's a good athlete. He he hits for a ton of power. Strikeouts are going to come, but that's today's game yeah. anyway. If if you get two sixty two seventy out of Kyle Stowers and he hits thirty mm-hmm. home, thirty plus home runs. And plays right field for you. That's a good player, and that's before you even mention the fact that Colton Kalzer and Hessen Kerstad are coming up through this yeah. minor league system. Yep. You know, I I don't look at guys like Robert Newstrom too much anymore. I, I like watching it. I like looking at his stats. He's having an okay year mm-hmm. down at AAA. But uh, when I look at outfielders, it's outfielders in the minor league system. It's yeah. Stowers, it's Kerstad, and it's Kalzer. Yeah. Those are the guys I'm focused on. No, I mean and, you have a right to be. I mean those are the guys, and and also uh, John Rhodes has been really, John Rhodes has had a nice really year good so far for, for Aberdeen, right? Um, yeah, Aberdeen, and I'm not sure how Reed Trimble's done. He was picked pretty highly last year, so I'll have to check on that. But um, yeah, Santander, I his place 
in this lineup, I, I don't really know where it is anymore. And I think well, that's and the, they, the they biggest. They continuously bat him third. Yeah, it's too and high. He's, he's not a th- he's not a three hitter. No, he's not a two hitter. He's like a six hitter. Yeah, he's like a six hitter or and a I, five hitter. I think maybe his Rutschman starts moving up more into like the three and four hole, where he'll probably spend the end of the season. Uh, maybe they'll move Santander down if, if he's still here by you know by August. But I. I can't imagine they're not going to trade this guy, well, but I think also people expect way too much, like way. Yeah, he, not, he's not going to get that much. You're not, not getting much. a lot. No, you know, you, I mean, uh, Jonathan VR put up better numbers than Anthony Santander four, ever 4. has. Four point two WAR season that uh, season. Twenty four homers and forty yeah. stolen bases, and they got Easton Lucas. And if you said who exactly, right, right, um, then that moves you to Trey Mancini. Mm-hmm. And Trey Mancini's having a nice year. Not hasn't had a nice week. But he's having a nice year. Mm-hmm. And he looks like 2019 Trey. He does. He sure does. He looks like uh, he's his exit velocity has been through the roof this year. Mm-hmm. So you look at Trey. There's not really a spot. There's not really not a spot. He could DH for you for a couple of years until maybe Kerstad's ready. Right? Um, yeah. He can, he's serviceable at best in the outfield. Mm-hmm. He's just as good as Ryan Mountcastle at first base. Yeah, I think Ryan Mountcastle is a little more athletic, so he might Definitely, make a, yeah. b- a more flashier, pl- more flashy plays than Mancini. It's tough, man, because I don't know how great his trade market is. Ultimately, I think he is traded, but I don't discount the idea of the Orioles extending him for for three seasons. Yeah, this is the toughest one. I Dan Connolly wrote the piece in the beginning of the year that said the writing's on the wall, and it's, I echo- and I echoed that. Right, and it's a ticking clock, and I think we both agreed that's the case. But he comes out this year, and he's significantly better. He's just significantly better. And you look at the Orioles having one of the best offenses so far in June, and not a bad offense on the year. And well, I think they had one of the best offenses in May. Right, right, and I, I think Trey Mancini has been a big part of that. So now. When you're looking at the Orioles and you talk about how they're they're very close to being that competitive wild card team at some point, as as close as next year, you go. Do we now want to trade one of the better hitters in this lineup, even though we thought we were going to? <laughs> if right. that makes sense, right. like, does it still make sense because we're better than we thought we were going to be? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer to that is no. I I think I I, I was leaning towards yes, I would trade Mancini, but right now I'm not sure you can. I think he's just hitting too well, and the the guy you're going to get for him is going to be, it's going to be again. It's probably worse than Easton Lucas. It's probably going to be a, a lottery ticket that we don't know much about. When when you look at, and look, guys, the Orioles are 20 games ahead of their pace from last year. Mm-hmm. They didn't win their 28th game last year until their 85th game of the season. Yeah, right. They're they're, they're 65 games in. They're 28 and 37. Yeah, and. Or, or no? Are they, are they 29? 29, they're, they're twenty nine? Twenty nine. They're twenty nine and thirty seven. Yeah. Sixty six games in. It was it was their. They won their their twenty eighth game in their sixty fifth game this year. They mm-hmm. won their twenty eighth game in their eighty fifth game last year. Twenty games ahead yeah. of last year's pace. They and they're a five hundred ball club since game twenty of the season. Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna trade Trey Mancini, right? The a guy who's he's the heart and soul of the team, yeah. right? And Adley Rutschman is coming quick, mm-hmm. right? But Everybody loves Trey Mancini, mm-hmm. and your team's finally playing good baseball. And now you're going to trade your 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 city's favorite player. I agree. That's that's a really tough thing to do. That's, that's, that's a tough look. Uh, and, and, and I was I wrote an article about. It. I came out of my 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 two year retirement from from writing to write yeah. an article about why they should trade Trey Mancini. And now I'm sitting here two months later, and I'm like, 
you can't trade yeah. Trey Mancini. I don't think you can stifle the offense. I think it's been too good. He fits too well into the offense that they have. Um, real quick, an Orioles move. They, uh, they activated Joey Kreebel, uh off the injured list and optioned Logan Gillespie to AAA. The lineup is out today. No Rutschman. So if you were looking to see Adley Rutschman today, He's, he is He played eight straight games. Yeah. He played um, he played every day for eight days. There, I, he, he deserves a breather because he's going to play tomorrow. Yeah. There's some uh, clear... It's it's a it's a B lineup today. Uh, no Odor. You've got Richie Martin playing second base. Uh, you have, it depends on how you feel about Odor. I guess, I guess. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Uh, you got Ryan McKenna in center field. You got Hayes leading off with no Mullins in the lineup. Uh, Hayes is DHing today. So, um, it, it, Mancini in right field, which I hate, by the way. Yeah. I hate that. But anyway, Orioles lineup for well, today. But we're, you're going to see Hayes in center field, which is where I think he belongs anyway. Um, well, you'll see uh, McKenna in center field today. Uh-oh, and ha- oh, it's Hayes McKenna is in center field. Yeah. Yeah. Hayes is DHing? Hayes is DHing, yeah. Who's, is it Santander in left? Santander's in left, yeah. Santander in left. Look, I, I was. I, say, I, I'm happy that I get the A lineup when I go to the game with my wife tomorrow. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I get an Orioles golf visor for one of the first mm, ten thousand yeah, yeah. fans there. I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully, but um, <laughs> but yeah. I, I was well, gonna say this earlier, and I I, I was actually pay, who, it's a, it's Bradish tonight. Bradish on the mound. I was thinking about saving it for final thoughts. I'm gonna say it now instead. Brandon Hyde, um, switching Austin Hayes and Santander left field, right field, left field, right field in like every lineup this year is not a good thing to do. I, I just don't like that. Like you, you gotta you gotta play a guy in one position and let him get used to it. Right? Like I, I get a lot of times Hazel go to right field when they're on the road and Santander will play left field. I just don't get it. You know, just keep him in the spot. Like I, I don't see how that benefits anyone. I think they're both used to it at this point because the first year, maybe in, in the, in his first season in, in tw- his first full season here in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. Santander played left field every day. But okay. what, what's the and then Hayes has played Hayes has played right field. Uh, some of the best throws we've seen from Hayes have yeah. been from right field. Sure, uh, he played center field in 2018 and 2019, and we really thought that he was going to be the guy in center field. Yeah, I think that these guys at the big league level they've played enough of these positions that it's not a huge deal. But why though? Because it's like what we said earlier. Hayes is playing right field when right in the in the ballparks where right field is the most difficult part of the ballpark. That's a good point. He's yeah. playing left field at Camden Yards. He's the most difficult part of the ballpark. They obviously view Hayes as their best defensive outfielder. That's not Cedric Mullins. Right. Yeah. So if yeah. they if if there's a cavernous part of the ballpark, it's going to be Hayes there unless you're giving him a breather. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. And that that's that's why he's there. So I think that's a good time to take our final break. Today's show is brought to you by Simply the Bets. And weekend at Bookie Sports Betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning, 1140. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook General Manager Leon Twyman and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday, 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Steck and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook and Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. When we come back in, Take to rake and final thoughts to close things out here on the Battle Round. 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charmed City match, July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted, offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts because you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Orioles prospects Heston Kerstad and Jordan Westberg, as well as Orioles assistant GM Eve Rosenbaum and former Orioles catcher Caleb Joseph. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark We Can Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. Very good, Zach. Very good. Uh, we're going to be jumping right in here to the... We, 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 we just broke a tradition, by the way. We didn't talk about the GCR music that just played. Uh, I know. Mm. I was thinking mm. about it. I was like, yeah, Too bad. It's old hat. It's old hat. Too bad. Um, it is now time for everybody's favorite, Take to Rake, which is brought to you today by the best place to be for the playoffs and all the big upcoming events, and that is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. You can bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Big crowds are expected this week in the Live Casino and Hotel with Dave Chappelle performing in the hall at Live. So the FanDuel Sportsbook is going to have lots of foot, foot traffic, folks. So if you're looking to come out to watch and bet on the U.S. Open today or tomorrow or on Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight, Make sure you reserve your spot by emailing events at socialmd.com. Events at sportssocialmd.com right now. Take the rake. Last week, I was... uh, I took Austin Hayes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I can't remember who won the week before. I do know... I believe it was... um Austin Hayes, I want to say. Yeah, you you won. That's right. With Austin Hayes, I think. Yeah, you won. So um, you took Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini played four games. He went two for 13 with nine strikeouts. He did not win. No. I took Austin Hayes. He went seven for 29, two home runs, six RBIs, five runs, six strikeouts, zero walks. Bob Phelan took Adley Rutschman. Nine for 26, four doubles, a home run, four RBIs, six runs, scored three walks, three Ks. It, It was a lot closer than you would think because Hayes put up the power numbers and more RBIs. Yep. But Adley Rutschman outslugged him by just a little bit more because he had the four doubles and the home run. Uh, so Adley Rutschman wins for Bob Phelan. That is the guest's second win of the year, along with Ben McDonald. We took Cedric Mullins about five, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't have a guest today, so I'm going to pick first because I took Austin Hayes, okay. and he would have won. I'm going with the hot hand. I'm going Ryan Mountcastle. Mm, yeah. uh, he is he is turning into that special player that we thought that he might be. Ryan Mountcastle is my pick for take to rake. You know, I, I love doing take to rake now as opposed to you know even a year ago or a little bit more than that because we have choices. We have lots of choices. Um, you know, Adley Rutschman won this week. I I feel like Rutschman, even though he's not playing today, has been hitting the ball well and hitting the ball hard. So Adley Rutschman is my pick this week. That's a solid pick. It's a solid pick. Um, for final thoughts, um, my final thought is this. I've seen a lot of people, and most people trust in Mike Elias, right? And mm-hmm. mo- most people are seeing what's going on with this team. Yeah. But I've seen so many people saying, Elias doesn't have a plan. This guy's never done this before, and you're giving him all the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a plan. Shut up. <laughs> Just shut okay. up. Look at... What's happening with this team right now? Yeah. Look at the players that are here. Look at what's happening with the bullpen. And these are all guys that Mike Elias brought in. Yeah. Right? You look at 
the centerpiece of your franchise, Adley Rutschman, and the bat coming on, and just how special it is, and how much his pitchers love throwing to him and love playing with him in general, right? You look at that excitement he had at the end of the game last night. Just looked like a kid that just won the World Series, right? Or called a no-hitter. For a one nothing victory over the Tampa Bay Rays. And then you look at what, what's happening in the minor leagues. Gunnar Henderson drafted in Mike Elias' first draft. Youngest player in AAA, and he's torching mm-hmm. the ball. Jordan Westberg, second first-round pick of, this, of Mike Elias' second draft. Just tearing the cover off the ball at AAA. You look at what's happening in this minor league system. You look at what's happening at the big league level. And the fact that the Orioles are playing 500 ball the last 46 games. And they're only going to continue to get better. I don't want to hear Michael Elias doesn't have a plan because you're seeing it unfold right before your eyes. This yep. team, and for those who are saying, I think the Orioles will be in contention in 2025. You're not paying attention. They're going to be, they're going to be good really soon. They're good now. They're good now. They're not great. They're not the class of the division. They're still a last-place team. But they're good now. Any opposing manager will tell you this team is not a cakewalk. Right. And they're 10-9 and nine against Toronto, Boston, and Tampa Bay this year. 4-9 yeah. and nine against the, the Yankees. But they're 14-18 and 18 against the AL East this year after going 20-56 and 56 against the division last year. This is a good baseball team that's only going to get better. And if you think Michael Elias doesn't have a plan... You're just not paying attention. And, I, and it's it's a tired, lazy take now. And I don't want to hear it anymore. Watch the games. Yep. Pay attention. Because this team is becoming something special right before your eyes. So I want to... I, I guess my final thought kind of has a little bit to do with yours. Uh, I, I want to finish up my thoughts on the trade deadline. And maybe mine will be a little bit more negative than yours will be. But I just... I, I want to say, while everything you said is true, and I agree with that, um, I still, if I'm the Orioles look at the trade deadline, and I look at it as you should probably... Well, not probably, but you should not buy. You're not buying. And I don't think anybody saying that realizes still what this team is. Because they're, they are, they're good. They're getting better. But they're not yet competing for the playoffs. And I think you should only buy when you really have a realistic chance to compete for the playoffs. But I also think, and that's, this is something I didn't say earlier, that... I don't know necessarily how much you should sell. I don't know. If, if you get a great offer for Cedric Mullins, sure. If you get a great offer for Santander, definitely take that one. But I don't think the Orioles should actively be looking to sell off guys. They shouldn't be you know, calling around. They shouldn't be taking calls on some of the bigger players on their team. because I mean, they can take the calls, but they shouldn't be seriously considering a lot of it. Because I think the team is in a drastically different spot than it has been in a, in a, few, uh, in a few past years. And I, I do even think that training a guy like Cedric Mullins almost sends a, a weird message to the fan base mm-hmm. because you're, you are getting a, a lot better recently. And if you were to trade a guy like that and sell him off, it almost looks like you're still back in 2019. And I, I do think that the Orioles need to tread carefully there in sending the right message to the fans well, at the trade deadline and not selling. And people have been talking about trading Jorge Lopez. Why? Right, that's, a, that's a great example. Right, that would send a bad message, right? He, it, he's it, becoming an elite closer. He is. Why right. would you trade Jorge Lopez? Right. Why? You, he's, under team exactly. con, he's under team control. He's killing it. He might be your lone all-star this year. Yeah. Why on earth? Would you trade Jorge Lopez well, that's ex- when, when your window is starting to open? That's exactly my point. I think it sends the wrong message, and it, it takes you backwards, frankly, if you do that. Then you're looking for your closer again. So I, I do think that the Orioles, while you can sell guys like Santander, don't make any moves like 
uh, like a one for for Jorge Lopez or, or someone more significant like Cedric Mullins that would really I think send the wrong message and uh, and maybe alienate a few people the, from the, the from the team. The only guy I think that should be traded, uh, two guys, Odor, mm-hmm. three guys, Odor, Lyles. Santander and See, and, 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 and Lyles, I'm on the fence with. I would because I think they signed him to do exactly what he's doing, so right. they can trade him. But you don't have anybody to replace him. I was going to say they don't have any re- anyone to replace him, so I would 100 percent keep Lyles right. from where you are right and now. And you have yeah. the option for him for next year, yeah. right? So, not uh, on realistically, Odor and Santander are the only two guys I'm trading. Yeah, and I'm only trading Odor if I have somebody that I know can take his place. Right. Right, Santander. I know we have somebody that can take his place. Mm-hmm. Definitely with, with Odor, and it's not he's in two oh seven. Right, it's not like Odor is tearing the cover off the ball, but he's come up with some big hits. His defense has gotten better, and he's a big time clubhouse guy. The team, yep. his teammates love him. Yep. And that's good for morale around around your clubhouse. The only way that I trade Odor is if Richie Martin proves that you have to have him on the field every day. Yep. Right, so guys, really fun. I was really excited for the show today. I was really excited for this show just because the Orioles are playing so well and there's so much to talk about. Mountcastle's tearing the cover off the ball. Rutschman's bat's gotten going. They're playing good teams and beating them. Yeah. Um, it's a fun time in Baltimore. And look, there's going to be some bumps in the road. They're going to have another little stretch, right? But they're on a 46-game stretch where they played 500 baseball. Yep. They're 13-13 and since Adley Rutschman came up. They have an opportunity with a win today or tomorrow to take their second consecutive series against the Tampa Bay Rays. You look at their series, if you take out the Yankees, they haven't lost a series to the ALE since the first series of the year. They are a significantly better baseball team. It's just just been so much fun to watch because I have a reason to watch. It's a fun team. This isn't last year where at this point in the year it's like, oh my God, training camp. Please yeah. get me to training camp. And I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for the Ravens. I really am. I think they have a really good team this year. I do. I do. Um, but the the Orioles are giving me reason to not care so much about football right now, and I think that's so awesome. And it, and honestly, if you're paying attention, like I said in my final thought, it's getting it's only going to get better. Yeah. It, it's only up from here. It's so exciting right now to be an Orioles fan. And and if you look at what we've been through the last five years. Have we been able to say that until now? Like, no, no, no not the, all. And this is just like the the the, the coolest thing is is seeing the, it, seeing it all come to fruition, enjoying and, yeah. baseball, and especially because we've stuck through it. Mm-hmm. Watching the Orioles win in 2012 after 14 straight years, where I never left, where I watched every game, mm-hmm. and I never left. Now watching them go through these last six losing seasons, and I've watched every game, mm-hmm. and to see them playing. Their best baseball in a long time now. It's it feels so good, man, and I can only imagine how much better it's going to feel when they get back to where they were from 2012 to 2016. Definitely. All right, you can tell how much I love the Orioles. But all right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thanks as always to Rich Dubroff, who's become a great friend of the show. I love talking to him mm-hmm. these days. And uh, thanks to Zach for putting on a good show with me as always and producing a really good show, guys. I can't wait to put together next week's show and talk to you. And until then. See ya.